Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 118, Fast and Furious Lap 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode's brought to you by Kenra Professionals Nitro Memory Cream 18. Nitro Memory Cream 18 is approximately 10 times denser than a typical mousse. A little product goes a long way. So always start with a small amount and add as needed. Shout out. Kenra Professionals Nitro Memory Cream 18. Well, shout out, Kenra, and welcome to Fast and Furious. Later in this episode, we've got Nico and Kevo talking about Los Bondoleros and Fast and Furious. we got two, before we do anything else, two programming notes. Number yeah. one, minor one. We plan to do deleted scenes for this, because I just assumed, given how many there were for the first two movies, mm-hmm. wrongly so, I should never assume in this podcast, but wrongly so, that there were deleted scenes for every movie. There are not. As far as we can tell, both on the Blu-ray and on YouTube, no deleted scenes for this movie, which is kind of weird, but maybe not. I don't know. If you find any, send them. Yes, please. Family at cageclub.me. Also, for future reference, from what I can tell, there are deleted scenes or extended scenes or alternate takes or whatever for every movie here on out except eight. Eight has a couple extended fight scenes. There's the prison break scene, and there is the plane save, like the saving baby Brian. But I mm-hmm. think that those two are what are, I think they're already in the extended version. So when we get to fate, we're not going to have, like, well, it's going to be like a normal intro. We're not going to do deleted scenes, but for five, six, Tokyo Drift, seven, and Hobbs and Shaw, there are deleted scenes. And also, like I told you, I think Hobbs and Shaw has like 35 minutes of deleted Whoa. scenes, which is like insane. I don't. That's a two. That's a two-hour and forty-minute movie. Then yeah. Plus, those are the ones that they just released to you, not even including like the ones that aren't. Yes, and weird. I think they clarify it as like saying it's deleted or extended or alternate. So it might not be thirty-five minutes of new. It might be you know who knows what. But we'll get to that when we get to that. So that's number one. So this episode, instead of doing deleted scenes, we're gonna do a Fast and Furious minute. We're doing an episode of Lost. But number two, the more important, the bigger one, the cooler one, is that this so Friday cool. we were going to do. Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days. We are not doing that. We are pumping the brakes. We're going to do that later this lap. So we're going to get to that later. The reason we're pumping the brakes. So this is also, we're recording on a Monday. This episode comes out tomorrow, or really actually tonight as I'm recording this. So uh, I'm going to spend some time in the lab tonight. But the reason we're recording today is because yesterday we had a conversation that ran super, super long, and we were thrilled to announce, I guess, question mark? And we didn't want to stifle the conversation, because you'll hear why. And I also, like, there's been multiple times we've recorded since we knew this was going to happen, but I didn't want to jinx it. On Friday, we are talking to the game director of the video game Fast and Furious Crossroads. And he, we go deep. So we do all the normal either-ors, rank your movies, everything. Like, this dude is a huge Fast and Furious fan and a tutor. It's great. So we got, like, 45 minutes up front. I mean, who knows what will be edited down. But, like, there's a lot up front of just, like, our normal nonsense. Then we talk about the game for, like, two hours. Again, edited down a little bit. And then we do the, the character quiz. So, like, it's a full-blown episode, and I am thrilled to bring it out. I, I mean, I haven't started editing yet. It's going to be a... A big endeavor, but Joe, I am I'm excited. It's it's probably the best interview we've done, right? Like it was. I think it's it like the great. only interview we've done, really. Yeah, but I meant like like it feels it feels monumental. He's very close to the the fastiverse, 
including like writers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he's a huge fan, as Joey said, so he's very knowledgeable. It made me feel good that they gave, you know, they put the hands of the game in someone so knowledgeable and so just friendly. Also, he's just a cool dude. But yeah, it, we we talk a lot about the game and the franchise and maybe a little bit about Nine maybe mm. and what he might know about nine and uh we didn't really like go into this but it seemed like it seemed like they kind of like not auditioned or petitioned but it seemed like they wanted this project because he is and a lot of the people he works with seem to be very big fast and furious fans so it seemed like a passion project that they wanted to do so we yes. get into that so if you have not so here's the thing so you can watch on youtube right now like full game walkthroughs if you want the, the story is probably about three three and a half hours long which we talk about the length on the episode so stay tuned for that you almost kind of don't have to like i think you should because especially if you're the if you're scenes. so into the fastiverse that you're yeah. listening to us five hours or four hours or whatever a week uh you're gonna want to experience the story but we basically cover all of the major stuff a lot of the minor stuff a lot of the easter eggs uh so even if you have not played the game if you don't plan to play the game you've not watched the walkthrough friday's episode will kind of cover most of that but if you have three hours between now and the time you listen to that episode go to youtube go to or watch go to my twitch stream and i think the archived versions of the three times i streamed are all saved on there for a little while longer i think yeah, um, yeah. i don't know how twitch works but i think it's there so check it out and then come back on friday because the thing that we talk about is we're, we're not, we don't really spend a lot of time talking about the gameplay we talk about the cutscenes and that he it's the know, story like, yeah the story and and how he created new canon of the fastiverse and like what did that means and why did he pick these characters or why did he have them say this as opposed to this so that part's interesting and you might be like a little left out if you didn't see the cutscenes, but i think that you could get through it without them kind of accidentally like you know when we have a new movie come out we know when it's we we can kind of plan and we're like okay we're gonna do immediate reactions then we're gonna do spoiler free then we're gonna do spoiler and give you two weekends this episode will come out basically two weeks after the game came out so it's like far enough away that if people wanted to have played it or watched it they can i know we're only giving you like a three-day notice but check it out on youtube fast and furious crossroads or you know buy it or rent it or whatever i was gonna hint to nick because nick's been sending us pictures of him playing i was gonna hint to nick like you might want to finish the game before friday but i figured he would listen to this episode so wrap it up nick if you're still playing get it finished and get ready for friday yeah i saw that you messaged him on facebook saying you know you're gonna keep an eye out for friday so he said i will so yeah it's, it's coming it's coming it's coming but it's coming Joe, extracurricular activities. We kind of have to keep it short because I have a lot. I have a lot of things to edit between now and Friday. But That's what fine. have you been up to since we last chatted about? Well, I guess with Nico and Kevo about this episode. I went to to visit Rachel's parents. That was it. Went hung out, got to see them. Um, it was. It felt nice to just talk to them and hang out. So that was pretty much it. That's what I've been doing all weekend. We left like uh, late last week and got back today. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Have you watched anything of importance? Anything, you know, one, your, your favorite thing that you've watched in the last, like, week or so? Or, or, is there, or is there not really? Honestly, we didn't watch too much TV. I put sports on in the background at their house, but we, like, we bullshit. We play games. Um, I didn't really use my phone too much. I don't know. I was just distracted. We were drinking, talking, bullshitting. They got a new house, so we were, like, hanging stuff up and, you know, putting mirrors and this kind of stuff so you know you were like distracted with like the workflow of it so i had yeah. like um hockey games on in the background but like sure i didn't sit down i don't think i sit down and watched one show while i was there or movie or anything look at you guys changing it up mixing it up Oof. yeah man gotta keep it fresh i'm trying to think if there's anything of note that i've done i watched have you seen the movie swordfish the halle berry yes halle berry's boobs in this one this yes. is that was the thing yes have Sorry, you seen not the that... movie or have you just seen that like that scene oh, i might have seen the movie when i was a kid it's john travolta and then but i just remember the like 
the pop culture of like this is the movie you could see Halle, Halle Berry's boobs, right? Like yes. that was what it was in like SNL and all kinds of. So stuff. that's the yeah. only thing that I knew from it. I didn't know what it was about. I I've seen it because they hack, and when they're hacking, he like draws a virus with cubes on the computer, right? Is this is my, does this sound familiar? I might have missed that. This is this was me kind of like because how did this get made? Covered it this past week, and so I watched it for that, and I asked my I asked the Tub Talk guys. I was like, is it worth like? It's kind of like the peak stupidity of like '90s, but it's 2001, but like '90s action. It's just like all the dumb tropes kind of in one like it just it makes no sense it doesn't really try to make sense it yeah. opens with Travolta being like you know Hollywood movies are shit and here's why it's like well what do you what do you do like I know what you're doing but like what are you doing a lot of it is dumb like I think it's objectively bad but the final action set piece like the kind of the getaway sort of they do something that I've never seen it before in a movie and so it is crazy um, it's on Netflix now. If you I, I don't watch it, Hugh Jackman is the hacker, uh, and in the movie yes. he's kind of like made to be like a nerd. It's like no, he's he's a gorgeous man. Like he's not. What are you, what are you talking about? Like because Halle Berry's like trying to seduce him. Like oh, she's way out of your league. It's like no, they're both. And they talk about this on Halle. Like, no, they're both beautiful. Like they're both beautiful <laughs> people. Like they're not out of like one's not out of the other's league. They're both the Successful most beautiful actors. people. Yes, exactly. But yeah, like it's just dumb fun. What I appreciated was that it was only like a hundred. It was like an hour forty-five. Like it's relatively short for what that could have been. Uh, yeah. Again, not good. But basically, you know, as I've been watching more baseball and whatever, and doing whatever, and sort of watching fewer movies and shows, that's kind of all I've watched. Which is oh, one other thing I do want to say: Lovecraft okay. Country started on HBO. I saw you tweeting about it. Yeah, how which was it? Which is really, really, really good. I saw somebody else talk about it too. So produced by J. Uh, Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams. Kind of, it's a contemporary story. It's set in the 50s, but it's kind of a contemporary story of, like, racism in America, but also with the added bent of, like, H.P. Lovecraftian creatures and stuff. That's what it was. Yeah. So the episode starts with, like, the main guy at war, and then it becomes, like, this, like, colorful hellscape of Lovecraft, and then it kind of smash cuts to sort of, like, everyday life. And you're like, okay. oh my god. Like, that, the intro, there's one particular image, and I'm not going to spoil for you, but there's one thing that I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen, and it's just, like, so weirdly specific and amazing. And I know that's why they did it, kind of, for the gif of it or the meme of it or whatever, but, like, uh, check it out. I think if you like horror stuff, if you like timeless, unfortunately, can't believe that small-town America could be this terrible to black people, like, it's yeah. that kind of Jordan Peele analysis of the society of what everything like it's just really well done and i would the big thing to me is that like in a year where there's like no new tv and like really very little good new tv it's like this is like a, a shining example of like oh there's still good stuff so in that regard i was very happy that's awesome yeah i dig it the one last thing i wanted to say um is that just because i've been thinking about it and you know two two of our fans i think it was ben and maybe nick both wrote in about dan cummins the comedian we watched his special and it was great. So thank you for the recommendation. I'm going to check out the rest of it. Oh, it was Nick and Alex. Thank you guys. Um, I'm going to check out more Dan Cummins. You were 100% right. He's really funny. He's good. I like it a lot. So it was cool. fun. Yeah, thank you. Joe, we have a Patreon page here on the show, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Millman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, and Jerry Robinson for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Thank you all so much. Thank you, guys. I do want to say, based on that list and based on the show, I think Brian teased it while he was on here, but just this past week, I think Friday's episode, Christian Larson joined him to talk about Corvette Summer, the movie starring Mark Hamill. So that episode is now out. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to check that out, car movie from the 80s with Luke Skywalker. 
What's not to love? With two people who have been on this show, who are going to be on the show cars, again. Love Fast and the Furious, yeah. yeah. We also have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. We've got two emails. First up from Hector, and I'm not going to read this verbatim because he emailed in about the Bachelorette car picture, and he had sent in Bachelorette car pictures, and the way that he answers my question, because there's some confusion, because remember he sent in car pictures, he sent in a bunch of car pictures, mm-hmm. and then he sent in ones that were for Bachelorette, and I think I remember being confused about something. Yeah, you said, which ones? Yeah, exactly. Like, use these three. And then he said, oh, this one instead. And yes. and so either I misunderstood or I saw the wrong thing or maybe he misunderstood. But he basically says he didn't write in because he didn't understand what I was asking, but he wants to do the three together. But then I ref- I looked back at the email that he had sent earlier, the Bachelorette picture, and there's three cars in there. So I don't know if I just saw the wrong thing or like there's miscommunication or whatever. But like, Hector, okay. I think we're all good. We will do that for sure at some point in the future. I don't know when but we'll yeah. do for sure the Bachelor game again. So no worries there. Thank you for writing back in. And Joe, our other email today is from friend of the show, Wes Hampton. Subject line, Paul Verhoeven week. What up, fam? What up, Wes? says, what a week for movies on the podcast. Two classics by a cinematic maniac. I didn't realize what Paul Verhoeven had meant to my life until you started listing off his movies, and I went back and looked him up. Thinking back... I'm not sure I didn't make the connection between his movies. He definitely has a style. He definitely has a style. And I especially love both of these and also haven't seen the remakes. Anyway, here are some things. Okay. He says, guys, don't worry. I don't have any trivia to add to RoboCop, but thanks for thinking of me. Because I was saying that there's <laughs> so much and please yeah. don't. But I mean, did he finally get resolution? His thing was approved, right? Finally? Finally? I think so. I or think maybe so. Not. I don't remember. Like, it's been so long that I don't remember it, it if goes he back actually... And forth. I think, like, one time he got approved and then it didn't get put up or something. I don't remember. Like, it just, the joke is that IMDb won't let Wes put up one fact that he's, like, proven 50 times to them now. Yeah. He says, I don't remember why you mentioned Griffin Newman. We did because he had RoboCop in his top four, and I follow him on Letterboxd. Uh, Wes says, he seems like the nicest guy. You also mentioned he played Arthur in The Tick, and even though Arthur is the Tick's sidekick, he's the lead of the show, and I can't recommend it enough. It was really great, and I was very sad when it was canceled. Everyone was fawning over the boys, but if you want an alternative take on the superhero genre that's better written, has more heart, and is unique and clever, The Tick is it. So I've been looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it since Griffin Newman was on Comedy Bang Bang. I think I mentioned that when we talked about him, but I've not seen either of those. But yeah, people love The Boys, but I heard really good things about The Tick, so check it out. Cool. Yeah. Joe, he says now, some friends bought Mrs. West the Back to the Future game a few weeks ago and left it at our door. It's a lot of nice. fun, and it's pretty clever how they work in a time travel affecting the future mechanic. It's also co-op, which I like. We played I it on easy and got absolutely destroyed. Biff messed up the whole timeline. It was a travesty. I recommend it. Uh, yeah, I'll check it out then. We were playing some co-op games. We were playing um, Code Names with Rachel's parents. They had never played before. Have you ever played Code Names? I've heard of it. Maybe I have. You make like a five by five square of okay. words. Like they have cards that have all kinds of words on. I think I told you that. You oh, is this the one where you did? It's the Fast and Furious, but you didn't do yes. barbecue or something? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And you just like you know say a word and then how many you want them to guess. Yeah. And it's really fun if you have a partner, like a friend. Like you and I would play well together. Rachel and I would play well because you know like. Right. what to say to get me to say what you want me to say, like what word to use. So ESPN, I think for maybe just one season, did like uh, an NFL version or maybe just a pro athlete's version 
of like the newlywed game. And I remember mm. Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson were on there before he was Chad Ochoacinco, before, you know, back when he was still just like one of the best receivers in the league before he like became something more, right? Yeah. And I remember they went on there and like one of the questions was, it's not exactly a codename thing, but it's just like the in each other's minds, like what is his order at McDonald's? And I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember one of them said like Coke, no ice. And like, it was like exactly like, the order, like exactly, like every modification and everything, like they knew ex- it's just like this <laughs> weird, like, you know, quarterback receiver combination like they must have gone to mcdonald's a bunch and it was just like a very like oh that's like a kind of a really adorable weird thing to know about like a teammate but it's awesome. exactly but no if you got it and you're like why'd you get no ice dude and he's like come on i always get noise they're trying to cheat you out of the you know soda yeah. and like yeah that's what would happen i think that was the first time i was like oh i guess i could you could even modify that so now i just get uh when i get a soda at a, a place like that i just go coke light ice which doesn't always happen but just a little bit of ice because like i don't want you know it, it melts too yeah. quick and it gets too watery but i feel like light ice is perfect Wes says, wow, Joey, you went down a real Joe 2 style rabbit hole in the whole Dom Letty wedding inception recall idea last episode. I don't know if that (laughs) bodes well for the direction this show is going. Between Joe, Nico, and Kevo, someone has to keep a clear head and steer the ship. No, well, don't worry. It's 100% true. Captain on board. Given that I'm the one who edits it, like, I know, I remember, I like, as as any of us are talking, I'm just like, oh, nope, this has got to gotta steer it back, because we got to, you know, whoop. Yeah, Joey's really good at reining it back in. Between Nico and Kevo, and I, this lap especially, it can get real weird. Although I will say that this episode, I, I was I was not sure if I should leave it in it or not, but I wound up leaving it in. But this is the real first look into what we call Nicopedia, where just Nico has such a fountain of knowledge about so many things, specifically music, I think, but like comic books and whatever, that mm-hmm. we go on a huge Beth Orton tangent at the end of this episode that I oh, left yeah. in because I was like, I was like, I don't want to just cut out like eight minutes because like it's just it's interesting. It eventually ties back into cars and we talk about, you know, Spotify. You'll hear it all. But I was just like, do I cut this out? Like, I guess I should. But like. Yeah, and then I left it it's in. It's really so. interesting. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense for the show, but also the show doesn't make any sense for the show sometimes, so... True. You know. Very good point. It says, I didn't know that Total Recall was based on the Philip K. Dick short story, but I can totally see it now. A few years ago, I went on a Philip K. Dick kick... Dick kick... I read three or four of his books in a row, and I really liked his style. My favorite was probably A Scanner Darkly. Well, if you want more about that, check out Keanu Club. I love that movie. Rachel hated it. I remember I made her try to watch it with the cell shading, and she was not a fan. I've never read it, but I mean, like, watching it was fun for me. I enjoyed the movie. I think Winona's also in that, and so they covered it on Mm -hmm. Winona Forever 2. I remember that, like, and again, I don't know if they just... I don't know where they got the inspiration from, but I'm pretty sure you see cel-shaded Keanu's dick. And so that was like a big, we're like, oh my God, like you see nudity on Keanu. Like it's not actually Keanu nudity, but it's just like, oh my God. Like exactly. Yeah. That was my big, in my, in my brain, like the takeaway from a scanner darkly. Also, we got RDJ before Iron Man. Good movie. Yeah. Wes says, I vaguely remember the movie, but the book was such a mind fuck that I loved it. I'm reading a Ray Bradbury novella right now called the Halloween tree. And I love his sci-fi for its sort of whimsical nature. But Philip K. Dick stories are much more likely to convince me that I'm living in a simulation headed for self-destruction, and I kind of love that. Yeah, makes sense. Have you read any Philip K. Dick or Ray Bradbury or, like, Heinlein or any of those guys? I've definitely read some Ray Bradbury. I read 451, mm-hmm. for sure. I read Do Robots Dream of Electric Sheep. I've read some of The Man in the High Castle, but never, like, the super famous ones, I don't think. I'm trying to think. Like, I read a couple Heinlein ones. I read Fahrenheit 451. I read... I bought a bunch of his. Oh, also, I guess it's not quite that, but, like, adjacent is probably, like, Kurt Vonnegut, too, right? Like, kind of yeah. the yeah, yeah. sci-fi and... As I get older, like, I don't like reading sci-fi 
sci-fi novels. I, I read them on a plane. That's a good choice for a plane. And, like, I only like novels on book on tape, like dramatic novels. Usually I read autobiographies, as lame as that sounds. Like, that's, like, one of my favorite things to read. Or biographies in general. I, I don't really have... I just kind of read... Like, like lately I've just been reading whatever Bob puts in front of me, right? So I'm, I'm yeah. reading... I haven't really gotten deep into Flickr yet, but I was talking to Bob about, I'm like, like, I just need to get into it. But Wes says, that's it for this week. I'm interested to see what Nico and Kevo make of what's easily the most blah movie in the series. I still love it, but it doesn't lend itself to any wild theories the way the others do, <laughs> though I'm sure they'll find a way. Until next time, stay furious, Wes. Well, they do find a way, so... And they kind of, they're I mean, they're, I think they're sort of rightfully so a little a little disappointed in it, and you'll hear that, but uh, there's a lot to talk about, for sure. You see the link in this episode, there's, there's more than enough to talk about with those guys. Amen. Joe, on the streets, any Fast and Furious news that you have seen since or heard about or read about or whatever since we uh, since we last spoke? No, nothing that I thought about. I think so. I mean, we, we actually talk about on Friday's episode about like just trailers in general. I'm like, I feel like we got to be getting kind of. I mean, we're, I guess we're still eight months out from F9, right? So maybe not. But like, there should have been a second trailer, a la the Super Bowl type situation, right? But it just COVID hit, so we didn't get that. Like, next I'm guessing. Trailer. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that we're gonna get. Some kind of, and I don't know when, and I also don't know if this even makes sense, but I'm guessing we're going to get some kind of, like, trailer number two that's going to be, like, two and a half minutes that's going to be, like, a third of it is going to be stuff we've already seen, maybe, and then it's going to be a lot of new stuff, and then I think we're going to kind of get, like, a remix, kind of a teaser that's, like, vague and weird and some weird blend of new and old, but I think we're going to get, like, probably a couple more minutes, I would imagine, of, like, new content. I would think so. I yeah. just, I keep thinking that we're closer to it, but we're not. We're still eight months out, so. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully eight months out. Hopefully it doesn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, oh, seriously. Boy. If you have any news or anything you want to say, family at cageclub.me, email it in. But Joe, the Ana Lucia Cortez, Leticia Ortiz, Lost for a Minute, episode The Other 48 Days. Now, this is the episode that I had been not teasing, but kind of, I guess, kind of hyping all season long, right? Like, I'm like, this. there's going to be one where we get to where it's like, this is the one to watch. And I think, I I, I don't want to mislead you because I, I don't remember, I didn't see exactly, but on Lostpedia, there's like a list of the episodes and like who's in each one and who's the main character and who has the flashbacks and whatever. Yeah. We might get, we might get an Ana Lucia episode. I don't remember, but at the very least, we get this where it's kind of like, this is her episode. Kind of in the Jack role because this episode sees the tailies, the back half of the plane, what they did on the island basically in the first, what we've seen the other side do for the first like 30 episodes. Yeah. And it's definitely from her perspective. It's not like a flashback episode because I don't think we get any Letty flashbacks. No, there's no flashbacks at all. No. It's just her perspective of like what's been happening. It catches you up on what the other guys were doing, right? It was a really good one. I'm glad I paid attention to this one. I think that, like, the last one, I was just, like, so bored with Shannon that I just wasn't paying attention. Also, guess what? It didn't really matter because they caught back up and they showed me that... It matters a little bit, but I did write my final note for this episode. It's in all capital letters. Now did you see Ana Lucia shoot Shannon? Yes, I did. Yeah. I absolutely did this time. Because that's actually... what what, (laughs) The only part of this episode I really didn't like is the last, like, four minutes where it's, like, catching you up on what we've already seen. Like, this, like, really janky, like, I think what's supposed to be, like, this artistic editing style where I'm just, like... We don't need any of this. The episode, I think, was a longer one. It was like 46 minutes as opposed to like the 43, 44 normally. And like, there's a lot in the end where like, we've already seen this. Like, we just spent the last six weeks, you know, back in 2005, 2006, whatever, watching this. We don't need this much recap, I don't think. Obviously, they find them on the beach and obviously she shoots Shannon. So like, we just, like the shooting Shannon thing, you literally just saw that, like just saw that. So yeah, 
big Letty things in this one. Letty mentions she doesn't have any kids. Yes. Mm -hmm. But Letty doesn't have any kids at the time of Lost. So that could be true, right? It seems like she wants kids. Like she seems kind of wistful for it. You're right. It's it's interesting to see her be the Jack role too. You know what I mean? Like she's clearly the one in charge. Like they kind of have three. Like I wrote down that there's kind of three different like partial Jacks. Like there's like we open. So on yeah, because the one because Libby I think is her name, right? Yes, Libby. So Libby's she's a doctor. kind of like yes, she's kind of medical. We got Mr. Echo, who's kind of like things need to get done. I'm gonna do things that need to get Rachel done. Rachel kept telling me that she thinks that Echo is um is their lock. He's their religion guy. I mean, he takes a 40 day vow of silence. There's not things. There's not much that's more biblical than that. Yeah, in this exactly. show than that, right? But like it's yeah. that's again to your point last episode why our crew did such a better job as opposed to the tailies where like everything goes wrong is because like what basically Letty or Anna Lucia, Anna Lucia and Mr. Echo and Libby all kind of do is all like what Jack does. And then there's some mm-hmm. of the mythology and stuff and tracking and like Mr. Echo's kind of Locke and kind of Jack or whatever. But basically these three characters, the three main characters at most are like most of Jack and most of Locke together. So, like, they're already, like, down a bit, right? And they have the, what we find out, like, the Goodwin, like, he's a man on the inside, right? Like, he's like a mole, so... So Goodwin was there, like, what was... Didn't they have, like, Evan on their island? Ethan. Ethan. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they planted um, a guy with them, too, and then, yeah, they figured out. It, it was... We we were laughing really hard that, like, Letty was like, gotta dig this hole. And then, like, three minutes later, it's like a 12-foot by 12-foot hole. Hey, man, she's motivated. <laughs> and she just builds a prison. And I was like, man, you're on an island. Like, how are you gonna build a prison immediately? Like, that's your first thought? But I get, you know, I guess... I think they're, like, a... they're three weeks in, I think, maybe by that point. They're pretty far in, and, like, shit is going wrong. Like, shit is breaking bad. And she's like, we need to do something. And she's so convinced that Nathan is evil. Like, he's a mole, because he, like took too long to go to the bathroom it's like well you know i can see where you're coming from but also like let's pump the brakes a little bit yeah she's a huge skeptic she's a little trigger happy oh yeah is what it is which she's we good. see it literally with a trigger <laughs> yeah she's a little jumpy the other what, what what is like the the list like the cool kids list that they had going on there i i don't know what to say and what not to say and what i remember okay. and what whatever but like the same way that hurley had the manifest and like they all just have like a list of everybody they're basically like hey these are the people who like might be valuable or whatever right and i don't know or maybe there might be the ones that are easier to take out or take away or whatever or maybe you will learn more over the course of the show you'll learn more about the others i don't want to spoil that yet okay. but there's okay i don't know if we ever really get like a method to that madness but there's they're effective in what they're doing because they go from being you know 23 down to like six by the time we catch up to him right so yeah another connection before we get to like the big like lost thing going on here at some point there's a glass eye pretty much like the totem in the first season not even spoiling anything the totem in the first season of umbrella academy is like a gloss a glass eye and they're like we have to find out about this glass eye and like that's that that's like the whole fucking thing Okay. Right, so I was like, "Oh, I wonder if Gerard Way was watching, like, <laughs> give a little hint to Lost." Well, I can tell you that that glass eye means almost nothing. Like, that's just forgotten. So I think it's probably just nothing more than a coincidence in your your brain okay. being open to like connections, like basically looking for fast connections and all things. Yeah, but it was like, it, but it's just like the timing of like right. us yeah, just yeah, yeah. watching the first season of that, and then they're like, "Here's a glass eye." I was like, "How many times do you fucking see a glass eye on a TV show?" Right. You know, like, it's yeah. not, like, that important ever. But then, like, the main crazy thing is that Boone is calling Letty 
like when he's hearing someone, right? We finally connect that those two are talking to each other. Yes, yes, with, on the radio, on the radio transmissions. Yeah, because we remember we had Boone picking up someone, heard someone's voice, we didn't know who it was. Now we see the reciprocal, which is that it was Letty, and she like turns it off, or she's like, D- like don't answer them, and thinking that it's like people that are trying to out to get her because she's so fucking paranoid. Yeah, by that point, she's like way far gone. She's like, nope, nope, don't even want to listen to it. Like, cause, like, how do they know our flames? Like, because Goodwin knows everything, right? Good, he's been with us, so. Yeah, exactly. A couple fast connections I have. One very small one that Letty on Lucia is wearing a wide belt, which I know is just like a, a function of the time, a fashion of the time, but like we'd spend so much time with Tara. She, she looks so Letty in this, like when she first starts with like the the like tank top situation going yep. on. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cracking me up too. I also want to say that she was channeling her inner Vince and her inner Brian kind of in the interrogation of Nathan just you know being a cop but also just being like very aggro like no you're gonna learn mm-hmm. or like come on man it's Nathan like she's wrong it's not Nathan but she's kind of like vincing it in the first movie right so yep exactly oh so there's when they're when they're burying all of their the dead right because there's people who are dying from infections and from illnesses and from whatever and right they're just burying and I just you know wrote down just Roman's line from seven promise me Brian no more funerals. No more funerals, exactly. <laughs> and the idea that Letty doesn't die is awesome. Yeah, yes. I can also now, it can be revealed that you were saying a couple episodes ago you saw kids walking with a teddy bear, like, that's gotta be Walt, right? Well, there's no, other kids No, it's the two now. kids that were here that, yep. like, lost their mom, right? And then Libby was taken care of, and then they came and took those kids, so, yeah. Yeah. Not related to Fast and Furious at all, but I, I didn't realize, I've never realized while watching this show, and this is something that probably a lot of people have talked about, but for a flight that was going Sydney to LAX, there is a startling lack of Australians on this plane. We have Claire, oh. and we have the flight attendant who is with the tailies, and, like, that's it. Yeah, 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 I forgot that we had the flight attendant in this episode, and I was like, oh, man, like, is she, like, with the thing? And then she, like, dies at some point, right? That might be Cindy. I don't remember, but yeah. I was like, oh, is she a character, Rachel? And she was like, I don't remember. And I was like, that's a bad sign. You yeah. Know? I mean, there's a, there's a certain point where, like, even, you know, with six seasons of the show, there's a certain point where you're like, well, I mean, and actually, this isn't necessarily true, because there's still characters that you have not met yet that become, like, very important. But, like, for the most part, when you're this far into a show, like, it's rare for a character to kind of stick around. You know what I mean? It's just like... Yeah, but you have that, you, you know, we talked about this just um, filming-wise in, in this in our podcast before, you know, you you might have somebody that shows up for one episode as a standout person, and everybody's like, we fucking love them, and they're like, yeah, we need to get them back, so, like, that we wrote this huge character arc for them. Yep, exactly. I mean, there's just one more, you know, kind of iconic line where, finally, at the end, Mr. Echo talks, and she says, you waited 40 days to talk, he's talking to Ana Lucia, because she's, like, having, like, a breakdown, right? She's like, you know, we basically can't go on, and, you know, she realizes, she, this is after she kills Goodwin, right? Because Goodwin attacks, like, she confronts him, she knows it was him, like, you know, Fredo, I knew it was you, and he yeah. attacks her, and she has the spike, and she impales him as he jumps at her, and she's kind of, like, losing her mind, like, she's, she's gone, right? She's, the I can't impaling do this was interesting, yeah, I like that. And then Mr. Echo goes, you know, he talks, he finally talks to her, and she says, you waited 40 days to talk, and she says, you waited 40 days to cry, and it's like, Ooh, like that's heavy, but it's also like kind of Letty, right? Like she can't show emotion because that's just she's too badass. Yeah, and also to what we talk about in the back half of this episode a little bit, like her characters are often coded male, and dudes don't cry, and you know Mrs. Alpha doesn't cry, and like it's yep. hard. But she's got she's a human, right? And like this is it's a fucked up situation for anybody to be in, and forty days into a thing where clearly there's like no short term resolution, like. Let it out, girl. I get it, but like if you if you're also feel like you're the leader, you don't want to like show weakness to the people that you're you're giving hope to, right? Like if Jack is just over there being like shit's bad and just starts crying, everybody'd be like, "Whoa, like shit is bad." <laughs> 
any other thoughts about the other 48 days? Is this, I don't know, I don't, I don't have an answer to this necessarily, but is this maybe your favorite episode? I, I, I guess for what we're doing, it's the best episode of the season so far, but is this, I how agree. does this rank with the other episodes this season, season two? It was so much better to not have to watch Shannon this episode. <laughs> it was well, just she, great. She pops up for a minute at the end, which is just to be bloody in Saeed's arms. No, this one but... was good. This one was good. I wish it was more of a Letty flashback, but having like Letty drive this episode was nice. I, it made me I actually want to see here. So Lostpedia season two. Okay, cool. We do have an Ana Lucia flashback episode. Toward the end of the season, we're going to get very a full cool. episode about Letty. So that's very cool. Nice. That's cool. what I want to see. I need to know her background story now. Like, I get that we had to catch up with what they were doing and that it might have been too much to be like, this is what was happening those past 48 days. And like, this is what she's doing as well. But yes, I, I wanted one of each. So perfect. Thank you. So yeah, we are about a third of the way. I think this is season two, episode seven, I want to say. So we're like, we're like a third of the way-ish, almost. Maybe next episode will be a third of the way through the season. So we're, I don't want to say we're flying through because we're not, because I know you're going crazy and not being able to binge them, but uh, yeah. kind of flying, kind of flying through. It makes it harder to watch for me because like my brain starts forgetting simple shit if I don't like watch them in a series, so. Well, I, I, I mean, I guess you could watch ahead, but then the kind of, I don't know. I don't well, know. It defeats the purpose because like, yeah. it's more fun if I like don't know what's happening next when we talk about it. Between I think a rock and a hard place, man. Yeah. Joe, the last thing to do before we bring in Nico and Kevo is the Fast and the Furious a minute minute eighty one a minute I called as a Mia quote. She yes, she says it twice to Brian. What are you gonna do? John, keep on those scanners. Copy that. All right, let's go. Okay, we trace the number to the northbound 86, mile 114 outside Coachella. We'll keep the trace open, officer. Let me see this. All right, I think we're about 40 miles away. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Dom, Letty, Leon, and Vince leave the mystery structure, still don't know what it is, to head after the truck. Brian gets a call. Nextel, presumably, has traced Dom's <laughs> cell phone number. Brian figures out where they're headed and drives off in pursuit. Night becomes day as the team gets ready to do the heist. And my big takeaway is we have another, like, I don't think I ever realized how many night into day transitions we have. We don't have that, that quick, like, oh, we're doing 12 hours in, like, 12 seconds or whatever, right? Yeah, but, like, like, essentially, like, the clock, like, turning. But we like, went we don't from basically that. middle of the night to, like, kind of morning like you know sunrise to like just mid-morning in like eight seconds it's like oh sunrise is quick so i get that part it had it had to have been like 5 a.m and they're driving and then it's like six something is like sunrise and then you know sunrise only lasts for like 10 15 minutes and then you're just fully that day but we go from basically like pitch black to like it's morning now baby and like it's just where where have you been? I guess, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, the rave was going late. My only other really big takeaway, because again, this is kind of like the this is kind of the calm before the storm in a way, where we're gonna we know what happens to Vince, having seen the movie before, but this is just I love seeing him psych himself up, just kind of like exhaling and being like, whew, like just kind of like a fighter, like shadow boxing before he's ready. Yeah. He's just kind of like, all right, Tom, let's do this, let's get this, and just yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. There's only like one real new thing in this. I know. 
minute, which is the truck. I saw you found what it actually is, but please hit us with I some ju- details. I think, I think this is it, KJ Transport. But I just I put that link in there because I want you to click it. Go look at this website and see the first thing you see when you open this. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just yeah. a big old Confederate flag. It's just a truck which has a giant Confederate flag on the front of it. And I was like, hmm. And it's like like an early 2000s Flash website. I mean, it would make sense because, you know, if KJ Transport is in this. Although, is Rogers is Rogers Trucking a real trucking company? I don't know. Because it almost it makes more sense that, like, it's not real. Because, like, yeah. why would you want your truck to be, like, either, whether it's successful or not, why would you want to show your truck getting jacked? Like, is that the kind of in-movie advertising you want to be a part of? It, it's saying... Oh, no, this says established in 2007. Curry Jensen Transport LLC. So this is not it. Officially not it. Yeah, I sent you that. I don't think that Ah, let me see. KJ. Based in Southern Utah, which would not be crazy, but it's established in 2007. I wonder if they, it would be, I mean, I know it's his, I know it's his name, but it'd be crazy to think that like they named it after this movie. Be like, oh shit. Like say like Hector right now, right? Is like back yeah. in 2001. He's just like, oh, like I love cars. I love trucks. Like I want to become, I want to start my own trucking business. And then like, you know, in six years from now, when he's a little bit older, he's got the capital, he's able to do it. And he's just like, I'm going to name it after the truck in the first movie. Like that would be a stretch, but I can believe it. But it's just also his initial. So that makes more sense but uh oh this is cool check this out oh it's like video game shots i was like why does this trucking company have like why is there a picture of a rogers truck and a kj transport truck and it's just like skins for some american truck simulator skins for steam so that you could drive the fast and furious trucks yeah 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 because i was like i was like this is like the actual kj transport logo like i finally found it and it's like no it's just somebody that made it well i mean that's like you know when i was talking about making all the teams and everything in mlb the show and like just stuff i've done since then like and like Forza too like people spend so much time making logos in MLB the show or like creating exactly the way that like Mia's car looks in Fast and Furious to like just have in the game that like just that other people can enjoy it like people it, it's crazy the amount of effort people will do in a video game to like bring cinematic realism I guess to it but like god bless all no, but people. sometimes you know this is like one of these things where it's like you wanted this thing if you wanted it like i know specifically you like if you wanted like this you know minor league baseball team logo yeah for your logo and you made it you'd be like oh yeah i just put it up there and like it's like such a, like a weird niche thing that you yep. like we would be like oh my god i can't believe you made this and you're like well i wanted it and then once i made it it was like why would i keep it to myself yeah so so i have some trivia questions for this minute that are all based on dialogue. And some of them are kind of nitpicky. Some of them are kind of numbers-based. But I want to I want to get your take on whether any of these four that I wrote down, I don't think it's worthy of having four, but it's all sort of similar-ish. Let me check them out. I haven't seen them yet. Go ahead. Roughly how far away are Brian and Mia from where the hijacking will take place? Because after they hear uh. from Nextel, Brian takes the map. He's like, I think we're about 40 miles out. So like 40, I mean, that's not impossible. Yeah. It's again, numbersy, but it's it's doable, I think. What highway, and similarly, what highway is Dom on when the trace of his cell phone number is completed? And it's that's better. 86. That's Outside, when this might be even a little bit better still, outside which town is Dom when the trace of his cell phone number is completed, which would be outside Coachella? Yeah. Or who drives the car that Vince rides in for the final hijacking, which would be Dom? I think the Dom driving Vince is pretty easy to guess. Because it would either be... Dom, Leon, or Letty, right? That's the only the only options that we could do. There's only three, and like if you had to pick between those, it's definitely gonna be Dom's the one that because you know Vince jumps, right? So like I guess it's probably easy to guess, but it's I don't think it's no. But I'm saying if you know that Vince does the jumping, right? Which we know just from seeing the movie that like if he's like, oh, is he with like 
Leon, Letty, or Dom, you'd be like, oh, well, Dom has to be the one driving him because he's going to do the jump, which is a dangerous maneuver. You want, like, the best driver behind the wheel, right? I guess so. Yeah, okay. So let's let's skip that. So then if we want to get rid of roughly how far away, 40 miles, I think that's kind of a little bullshit. Yeah. What highway? I think, I think honestly, maybe, and this kind of goes into what we talked about with uh, Thermal. Outside which town is Dom on the trace of... We could use the same answers from before. We could do Thermal, Coachella, whatever we had. Coachella, Palm Springs, Paloma, and Thermal. And just the answer this time is Coachella. Ooh, like two of the same question, kind of. But different answers. Yeah. Ooh, that makes them both way harder. Wow. That makes them both way harder. Wow. Okay, cool. I like that a lot. So outside which town is Dom when the trace of his cell phone number is completed? And the answer is Coachella. Not Palm Springs, not Paloma, and not Thermal. Whew. Tough. Tough. That makes it way hard. Good call, brother. Because, I mean, good. we, we kind of had the, the groundwork laid out there, right? So It's like one it. of those things, like, which of these, like, you know, when, I don't know, it's very testy, you know, when you're taking a test as a kid, it's like, at beginning, which one of these colors are they talking about? And then, like, at the end, which one of these colors are they talking yeah. about? You're like, fuck. The memory test. This is also like uh, Stephen Tobolowski. What's his name? Oh, God, what's the character's name from Memento? Stanley? No. Henry? Hold on, I gotta look it up. Sammy Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. Remember Sammy. Yeah. Cool. So we are now 81 minutes in, 91 questions. We have 20. I, st- I still kind of can't believe. Like I know, I know in my brain what happens, but like it feels like 25 minutes left is kind of a lot. It's a ton. Don't forget that you have the whole like Brian catches up with Dom. They race afterwards, yeah. and mm-hmm. he then he lets him get away. I agree. This is the end of the movie, and then there's kind of like an epilogue. Because like. then there's also, you know, the, there's the credits, which I know, but even like 19, saying like 19 minutes left, right? It's like, the, yeah. I, I'm guessing like this jacking has got to be probably 12 or 13 minutes. It's got to be a long time, right? But if you, if you also count like them calling the phone on the side of the road and Dom looking furious, right? Because this is like... Like from the time that they leave race wars until the car, like the truck is high. Well, I'm even saying like 12 or 13 minutes still to go. It happens quick. I would say I'm going to guess like six minutes of the truck jacking part. Because Dom drives away. Brian chases after him. They race for the quarter mile. They crash. Brian gives him the keys. Credits, right? And the credits are like at 100 minutes. So we have like 19-ish, maybe 50-50, maybe another 9 or 10. I think there's still, there's like a lot left though, I think. I think. I don't know. Yeah, because you have the whole like him attached to the truck with the arm thing and him swinging across it and then them like meeting in the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Possibly. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to get there when we get there. We're going to finish it this lap. I know that. And then we're going to go into the deleted scenes and stuff to memorialize them, including the one that we found a couple episodes ago or whenever. But uh, yeah, Joe, any other thoughts about shop. this minute? What are you going to do? I didn't realize how many visually unstimulating minutes there were for what we talk about on the minute. And that was something that I'm very shocked about the more that I watch this and the more minutes we do, is that there's so many minutes that it's just, like, just faces. I'm wondering if in later movies it's going to be better or worse, because I feel like there's so many more cuts in when they're more action movies, but it's also, like, just there's a lot of them just, like, standing around in a big room, like, talking about plans, right? Which is... Yeah, but you could always, like, find cool stuff on the table and stuff like that. True. I, I think it's a product of, like, the set pieces. Like, they have to, like... They're doing a lot of the, like, work in a car as opposed to, like, a warehouse. Yeah, which makes it different. Cool. So, so do you think? So, this might be. I don't want to use this word in the traditional sense, but this might be the worst that it ever is. You're saying worst for us visually in yes. the backgrounds and stuff. I think so. I think because as the movies get faster and more budget top and everything, Just there's going to be more for us to pick up on, right? I think so. How many pancakes does Hobbs eat at the diner in Hobbs and Shaw? Oh, good point. I can't wait to count those. That's a good idea. Cheat day. Cheat yeah. day. All right, Joe. Let's take a break. Let's bring in Nico and Kevo and talk about Fast and the Furious. Enter. The Slickster.
is episode number 118. This episode is brought to you by Kenra Professional Nitro Memory Cream 18 as well. The Kenra Nitro Memory Cream 18 is the first nitrogen-propelled mousse creating a unique and smooth creme that allows for three days of style memory. Nitrogen technology provides a workable no-stick application with an even hold. Great for styling, molding, and smoothing down flyaways. Shout out. Kenra Professional Nitro Memory Cream 18. Welcome to Fast and Furious Lap 7. Once again, joining us as they are all lap, we have the co-hosts, the hosts, co-hosts, question mark, of the Husbands Talking More or Less podcast right here on the Cage Club Podcast Network, Kevo Reese and Nico Vasillo. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you both for joining us once again to talk about not only Fast and Furious, but Los Bandoleros. Which you seem to like based on Twitter today. I gotta be honest. So, you know, like, I watched whatever... McGee music video Paul Walker was in yes. that you guys snuck into the this. Turbocharge prelude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that Power Rangers spinoff, right? And <laughs> so then I watched the second Fast and the Furious movie, which is a Gatorade ad. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I turned on Los Bandoleros expecting not much. I was like, look, if this delivers the beach efficacy of Drunken Love by Beyonce, I'm I'm there. Okay. Instead, I was treated to 20 amazing minutes in Dominican. Yes, 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 you were. And we will get to that very shortly. But first up, we have an either-or question. We only have one today. And this is kind of... Of all the questions that we have, this might be, it's number, it's the most timely, it's the most controversial, it's the maybe the most difficult one to answer. Are you too ready for this either-or question? I'm too ready to, sure, Rias. Hit me, just not with a car. Okay, <laughs> or a phone. Ooh, man, that ankle grab. Can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> so we have now three movies under our belt, all about Brian O'Connor, essentially, right? Paul Walker as kind of the lead in all three of these movies. We know that he's been a cop. He was not a cop. He's a cop again. He's FBI. He's all over the place, right? Right, 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 right. We know in 2020, ACAB and all of that. But do you think, is Brian a good cop or a bad cop? Or ask more specifically, maybe um, easier to answer, is Brian good at his job? Uh, Brian is the best con artist in the entire film franchise because this motherfucker is basically a car running homicidal maniac and yeah. keeps getting hired back by law enforcement. He's the one with the fast force, right? Yeah. So yeah, that fits into his powers <laughs> where he's a con artist. Yeah. I agree with that. He's mostly just a con artist who's doing what's best for Brian. I still have so many questions about what happened between Too Fast and this. Okay. That he is in the FBI. I mean, and especially because here we can say that ACAB stands for all cops are Brian. I <laughs> just, I do not think Brian is a good cop, but he is very good at snowing people. I don't think it's fair to say that Brian is a good cop so much as every single other cop in this franchise is a bad cop. Oh, so what's what's interesting about that, Kevo, is that when Mike and I were doing Cage Club, we noticed a trend, and I'm sure this is probably actually true of most movies, but we noticed a trend through the first, like, 30 Nicolas Cage movies where there is literally not a single cop who's good at their job to the point where like it became a running joke like is any cop in any movie good at their job it feels like they're all just bumbling idiots which is fine depicting like that great but then to the point where we got to Gone in 60 Seconds where Timothy Oliphant and Delroy Lindo play cops 
pursuing Cage's crew as yeah. they take down all the cars. And we're like, oh, they're not only good at their jobs, they could crack this entire case anytime they want. They're just like letting them fall into this trap. And we were so thrown off by the fact that we finally had good cops in a movie that like it felt weird. So I think not only are you right, Kevo, about this franchise, that there's not very many good cops at all, but there's not, it seems like most cops in, in movies, unless it's a cop movie, which I guess this kind of is, they're kind of bumbling in general, which is a weird thing to think about. Sure. I think that really says something about the way that people who deify cops see them versus everyone else, basically. If you're seeing a cop movie, it's because the person who wrote it probably to some degree deifies cops so you're going to see amazing cops in cop movies that's a good answer though i like that that was yeah maybe brian's not a great cop but everybody else around him sucks so bad that it makes him look so much better so what i'm gonna write down as your answer is good con artist slash best cop bad in parentheses bad cop yes he is the best of a bad cop situation yeah Let's talk about Los Bondoleros. We skipped Tokyo Drift, as as you know. We're getting to that later, because chronologically it takes place. I don't know when they retrofitted it, but realistically, it takes place after 6. So we'll get to that yes. later. But yeah. so, so okay. in terms of Kevo's question about, like, how does Brian get where he is? No answers. Just fill in the gaps however you want, because you didn't miss anything. Like, like, Brian is not in 3. There's nothing that you missed, even like yeah, later in the timeline. It's just... We don't know. It, you know, he and Roman got the money at the end of the last movie, and now all of a sudden he's in the FBI, right? So who knows what went wrong, but now he's back in L.A. I know there aren't answers now, but will there be an answer? No. no. Or are you saying, okay, continue. There is no, he's he's just not in 3 at all. 3 just, like, kind of exists outside this world, and so then you just, like, show back up here, and he's in the FBI. There's no real nope. answer. Terrific. That's this is This is my segue. I've got this. Okay, so here's where the movie franchise kind of took an interesting turn. For moi, okay. right? Okay. And in a way, I did not see coming, but it turns out I was wrong. This isn't a superhero genre. It's a massive, sprawling fantasy series. Yeah. Okay. So you know, in real life, Vin Diesel's obsession with D&D and like how these movies yes. are essentially, like all of his movies are kind of like he, him as Dungeon Master creating worlds. I knew that to some extent. I know that he and Joe Manganiello have a big muscles D&D club. You know he's from Pittsburgh, by the way. How to say it. I'm contractually, oh, God. I'm okay. contractually yep. obligated mm-hmm. to mention that Joe Manganiello is from Pittsburgh. So. Are you also from Pittsburgh? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a cute thing for you then. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> It would, be, it would be cuter ob- if it didn't happen all the time, every time. But please, Nico, continue. <laughs> Sorry to stop. I'm contractually obligated to point out that Joe Manganiello was on One Tree Hill. And also the most perfect movie of the last decade, Magic Mike XXL. But please continue. So, okay, here's what it is. This should have been the first movie. And I'll tell you why. Fast and Infuriated. Or, like, they're, the, all well, the names are stupid. Are you talking Los Bondoleros or Fast and Furious 4? No, I'm talking Fast and Furious 4, but I need to make this point to explain Los Bondoleros. Okay, okay. okay. So this film is essentially A New Hope. It's the story of how they all become criminals together now. Yeah. Instead of each being criminals separately. Okay, yeah. rewind a little bit further. That makes the first three movies kind of like a prequel trilogy, sort of yep. like the darkening of Brian, right? But that makes this film, because I got a segue to a different franchise, that kind of makes Los Bondoleros the Hobbit. 
of the Lord okay. of the Rings. I thought you were going to say like it's the Rogue One. Oh, we see it's kind of the yeah, Rogue I, One. I would say Rogue One. Here's why it's not Rogue One though. This doesn't fill in a question that we've always had. This is a story that has its own unique language. Everything up and through now hasn't been about Dominican culture. It's been about no. Cuban culture. You know, minorly exploiting black culture across white audiences. <laughs> And this is a new culture being introduced. And, you know, I'm excited to figure out, I mean, does that make turbocharge the Similarion? I don't know. (laughs) But I think Los Bandoleros presents something that the first two movies and that music video lacked, which is authenticity. This is a really specific thing. But anyone who's ever read comics to do themselves the favor and read 100 Bullets by Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso, it's 100 issues. Then there is... Also, an eight-issue sequel, and there's a one-shot. So 109 issues all in, and it's a really spectacular read. It's won a ridiculous number of awards. If you're a fan of Batman, they did one of the Red Hood hush kind of stories. One time, one of my friends was like, yeah, we were were talking about the book. And he was like, I love that book, too. One of my favorite things is, I swear to God, you can smell the cum when you read that book. You know what I mean? (laughs) I could smell Vin Diesel's pits watching Los Bandoleros. Yeah, it's true. He did say that. Yeah, I was like, damn, you can smell that when he like rolled out from under the car. Also very impressed with being able to drink a beer upside down. I was like, (laughs) how do you do that? That's tongue control. And I replied, practice. Yeah. What I will tell you about Los Bondoleros, I I mean, I told you a little bit of this on Facebook today as you were watching. And this is, as we know what happens to Letty in 4, which we'll get to, this is my favorite Letty. Like, this is the best Letty. This is the most relaxed Letty. Like, she's only on screen maybe for like eight minutes of the 18 here, but it's perfect. Dom is great here. Like, Vin Diesel somehow, not somehow, we know how, explicitly captures these characters' voices and actions in a way that I don't know if it's because of the first two movies or maybe in spite of the first two movies or what's going on, but he's able to tell this story as a prelude into four, which is our new hope, which is also, as I'm sure you realize just as savvy media viewers, is basically a reboot of the franchise. Like we were yeah. talking about for Too Fast, and also when we get to Tokyo Drift, we'll say the same thing there. Those movies are good and matter and introduce new characters, but can be lifted because essentially this one is just like, even if you've never seen the first three, this is all you need. Like we're going from here. This is all you need. Like it's an, a reestablishing. It's kind of the same movie as the first movie, the same story as the first movie, sort of twist on that, but it's Justin Lin coming in after Tokyo Drift or with Tokyo Drift and then through six and being like, this is how we're telling the story. This is to a certain extent, my franchise now Vin Diesel leading into that with a beautiful, small character story, like, telling the intro to four is wonderful. So I guess I would say then the Fast and the Furious is like the prequels and Too Fast, Too Furious and Tokyo Drift are more like Star Solo. Wars stories. Yeah. Star yeah. Wars yeah. stories. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. that's uh-huh. much better. Right? Yes, yes. That makes, that makes Roman Lando. <laughs> he, he imagines himself as Lando, I'm sure. Now I got to pivot. I know a couple of things about a couple of things about a couple of things because like uh, you said, I'm a savvy media guy uh-oh. and there's nothing I can do about the fact that unless you guys are about to tell me that I'm going to get her twin sister, Permishy. I have to assume Letty does come back at some point. Wait, hold on. I just want, I just want to make sure, like, I know what I know what you did, but I want to make sure that, like, Letty is a nickname for let or allow. Permishy is a nickname for permit. Is that right? Like, permission? Yes, yes. sir. Yeah, okay, you correct. Correct. Wonderful. Yes. Cool. Okay. Okay. 
I called her Stoppy before. Oh, which I thought was the Stoppy. best thing ever. <laughs> oh, and I can't wait to tell you about how the last minute of the movie made me scream at the top of my lungs because I got something I said I wanted in the first one. So okay. we will get to how the heart of the race can now drive. And I, I, I could shit myself. That was, <laughs> that was the best moment in the movie. So, uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, most of the best moments involve Vin Diesel's arms. I do believe that my gorgeous new boyfriend comes back. Yes. Han. Oh, I, I'm in mm-hmm. love with Han. I yes. am. I am deeply in love with Han, and I understand that Han has to go at some point. But I believe I understand that Han gets to come back at some. Evidently, Han get permission. <sighs> so. I am aware of those things. I also know that my precious favorite film franchise director will come on at some point. Uh, one of my favorite film franchises ever yep. is The Conjuring-verse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He does seven. Enormous, does seven. Yep. I am an enormous Conjuring fan. I'm excited to get to one of my favorite actresses to ever join franchises, Charlize, to show up. Because uh-huh. yeah. I don't care what anybody says, Prometheus is perfect. Uh, yes, I mean, it's horrible, but it's perfect. <laughs> I, I, we were just watching Alien the other night, and so when you mentioned that, I was, wow, you're in my brain. My entire office is filled with Alien. Alien is my favorite film of all time. I There's nothing in this world, save for, like, Alien, that I love as much as X-Men or Daredevil. Alien is a lot about the desire to achieve humanity and accessibility in a world in which people are very disconnected from one another. And I see echoes of that here in Fast and Furious in an interesting way. I don't know. Aside from like kind of not breaking my heart, because like there are certain things like we're going out of order, going chronologically to sort of try to preserve a surprise or a twist or a something that we didn't think we were going to be able to surprise you with. But I guess I hope the how of it is a surprise. Well, we'll get to that when we get to that. But yeah. Los Bondoleros, Fast and Furious number four, the heart of the race. Also, I can't believe that we've been talking all this time. Given your affinity toward comics, we have not brought up Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot, in this movie. Let's talk yes. about her, too. But please, I would love to know if she has a nickname, what you thought of <laughs> Fast and Furious number four Stop overall. Me. Whatever you want to say, please, just as the time normally happens, the floor is yours, your, both of yours. Uh, hit us with, you know, where do you want to begin for these two these two properties? Did you like them? Did you like four? So one of the things, I, this was my favorite of the three films so far, but I probably liked Los Bandoleros more than I liked the movie. I thought one of the things that was interesting is this functionality. So this movie functions on the idea that you understand that commodities are in many ways as valuable as money. Okay. Because of that trade, fuel acts as life and fuel powers the cars cars are life life is blood there's this sort of like you are your engine kind of vibe but i think one of the things that i found that los bandoleros had that the fourth film didn't maintain was a sense of honesty there was something neon fast food culture hyper saturated about the fourth movie and you know what they cut some of the stuff i didn't like the racing scenes were more about story function than shiny CGI in yep. this film, which I appreciated. We take a pivot also, here, yeah. I also really appreciate that he got psychic powers. 
Psychometry. His yeah. automotive psychometry is incredible. Yeah, his Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Furious Force just evolved. It's yep. funny that you reference Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, because as soon as we saw the GPS stuff, I said to Nico, oh, this movie came out between Iron Man 1 and 2, so they are <laughs> copying Jarvis. Got it. Ooh, speaking <laughs> of exploiting women, this movie had some <laughs> real... Oh. Yeah, this movie had some real serious issues when it came to representing lesbians and homosexuality as a fascistic accent on a culture, you can go and fuck yourself with that. Well, so it was in the first movie, too. That like Both in the first movie, and I think the second movie, and this movie, they have women making out. To the point where it's almost a trope. Like, we, like, look, is there, like, is there women making out in this yes, for no reason? Yes, it is. And yes. it's yeah. bad. It's bad, and it was the worst in this film by oh, far. Yeah. That's part of why I feel like I'm shocked that these, that the, these two movies we watched... I'm shocked they didn't come later. If you told me they made that first one as like a low budget movie on break one day, like, I don't know. There's the fourth movie really makes the first ones seem like, so they're still doing this. Mr. Peanut is dead. And now there's peanut. Baby Jr. Nut? Yeah. We don't say that. <laughs> so we don't get on a list. And it's Mr. <laughs> peanut Jr. And Mr. Peanut Jr. Is now 21 years old. What? And he's inviting you to his birthday party. He yeah, wants his birthday yeah, yeah. to be nuts. B-Day Be Nuts is the hashtag for the event. Where is this going? A friend of mine shared this and I commented on it. This is so bad. I literally feel bad for the people involved. That is kind of maybe a little bit how I feel the fourth Fast and Furious reflects on the first. I wasn't okay. expecting the second Fast Furious to have more heart than the fourth. Yeah. yeah. When this one came out, and when we were starting this again, I told Joey that this is my least favorite one. This one was the one that I was dreading rewatching a bunch of times that I didn't like for. As we watch it in sequence and over and over again, and you see that it becomes the cornerstone for what five and six become, it gets better in retrospect. Yeah, I described this one to you guys the other night as an odd duck because it it's doing a lot of work that you're not really able to see yet, yeah. but it's pivoting the franchise from being a movie, a franchise about cars to an action franchise. It's reestablishing because Vin Diesel is not, spoilers, Vin Diesel's not in the third. Nobody that you know from the first two movies is in the third movie. It's a complete. However, I know Han is. I do yes. know Han is. Yes, yes, correct. And yes, I fell in love with Han. The minute he showed up, Same. I, Welcome to the club. I, yeah. <laughs> I called him the slickster because Ooh. he just seems like the kind of guy who slips in, charms his way through whatever, and charms his way right back out before you even knew he got you in. You have no idea how good you are at picking that up. When you see a character whose cultural identity is outside of the main cultural identity that is being showcased, right? So one of the things we were told is that the gearhead aspect of the Asian culture of racing is a little bit more hardcore than it is like part of the, the, the way that the Latino culture showed it was like having fun and being yourself and bright colors. But we yeah. were shown that Asian racing culture in the first film was very monochrome and severe. So, you know, they're even trying to create depth and they're trying to create culture along some sort of line. Right. And so for him to be able to be so, Hey, what's up? And like laid back with this crew, immediately tells me optically that he is going to be a character who can subvert trope. So yeah. that immediately gets me interested in what he's going to provide to the narrative. And then secondly, that Dom showed him respect yeah. in, a, in sort of like a deference 
tells me that in Los Bandoleros, which Vin Diesel wrote, tells me that to Vin Diesel, Han is someone to respect. That's what's really interesting about the release order versus chronological order, because in three, like Han is, if you asked every everybody, like every Fast and Furious fan who their favorite character is, I would say maybe 50% would say Han. Like Han is just, as you will see, the coolest character. Three takes place after six, but because three already exists in the world, they're like, hey, we want more Han. We don't know the history. Like, we kind of get a little bit of an allusion to it in Los Bondoleros. Like, oh, I caught up with him in Mexico, but I've never been east of the Atlantic or whatever, right? Like, we kind of know the history, but he just, if you're watching chronologically, as you did, he just shows up. And then he's at the beginning of four, and then he just goes away. And it's a weird blend, but you know if you've seen these in order, you've already known you have a Han story in your back pocket. So, like, you are right, and we are going to get more Han very, very soon. Just yeah. not yet. Well, that makes me happy. Yeah. He's easily the coolest character. To have, like, the coolest character in this franchise turn out to be this Asian guy, like, is so awesome, right? Like, everybody's like, who's the coolest character in Fast and the Furious? It's Han, every time. And you caught it in a very, very short window of just seeing Los Bandoleros in 4, but, like, he just exudes cool the whole time he's on screen. What I did not appreciate, however, was the fridging of my precious Letty. I don't like Michelle Rodriguez characters as a rule. She is unfortunately typecast as, for my money, an unlikably aggressive character. And uh-huh. because she's so frequently yeah. coded male, I can comfortably say if the characters were men, I still wouldn't like them. That I love Letty makes me so excited to root for this character. Having her fridged off screen really, really bugged me. Because the problem is the definition of fridging involves killing a woman to further a man's story. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying, oh, a woman died off screen. The whole purpose of her death was to further his story. Yep. Now, I didn't see a body. <laughs> she was working for the feds. So, I mean, like, you know, they just got pulled her out real quick. <laughs> it is a very kind of bold, and I agree with all of that, and like, I was saying to you that, like, my favorite Letty is Los Bondoleros, and so it really hurts when you watch them back-to-back, like I did today, you watch the two, like, over a two-hour span, to have such a wonderful relationship, and then 11 minutes or something into the fourth movie, and she's gone. It is frustrating. I do think, and I wish it didn't happen to her, but it's a bold narrative choice to kill a main character kind of that quickly into a reboot, because they're reestablishing, like, hey, you might have seen the first movie, you might not have, but, like, there's been two since then. You might not know Dom, you might not know Brian, you might not know Letty, you might not know Mia. We're kind of telling the rule. Well, yeah, that's a question. Do you think that the narrative could have been as satisfying if instead of being Letty, it had been a different, perhaps, male member of the crew from the first movie? I like this idea, but who could it have been? Who was is, who is, who is, uh, Douchebo Baggins? The really um, aggro one? Yeah, the Vince. one who Vince. with the Cuban food. Kill Vince! Take Vince! There's no way to get around the fridging of it, but I think that just like we were saying in the first movie that the real relationship is between Brian and Dom it's not really between Brian and Mia. Like, either you kind of, unfortunately, I think, because it's now the franchise is about Brian and Dom together, now opposite sides of the wall once again, having to work together, whatever. The way you look at it, if you're telling a story about these four people, like, you you look at the poster for this movie, and it's their four faces, right? It's Dom and Letty and Brian and Mia. And the tagline is literally, 
new model original parts. Like, hey, this is a, we're throwing everything out, we're starting fresh here again. You look at the four of them, and now that it's a Brian and Dom story like it's always been, unfortunately, you either have to kill Mia or you have to kill Letty. And I don't... Exactly. Like, you, you fridge, you have to fridge someone and some, and like, it sucks, but the way that they've built it up, everyone else is superfluous. And it sucks, but I don't know how else to do that telling the story that they want to tell. I actually want to ask Kevo a question about his interpretation of something. Culturally speaking, in a vacuum, if we take a huge step, I said those words, so drinking game. If we take a look at how something exists outside of itself, regardless of intent, the art exists at the end of the day. Now, we know in some capacity, Letty or Permishi or Stoppy come back and evidently bring Han back, and it's a great day. Now, speaking in terms of the zeitgeist and the kind of behind the scenes, is it still fridging? If she ultimately comes back, do you mean if she ultimately comes back in the end? Or do you mean if there is always the intent for her to at least have the potential to come back, even if there is not always a plan? I feel like I've made the case that they didn't show the body. She was working with Los Ferrales. Right. Exactly. So I feel like there's a potentiality for the return of my gorgeous Letty. And if she comes back in six or seven or eight or nine, or if she and I ride through on the Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade floats, (laughs) I don't care how she comes back, if it's with me or not, we have to go back to the island. As long as she comes back, does it still count as fridging? Well, because here's the thing that I want to say as well in response to your question, which is if you're studying a story in a vacuum in the first place, I think there is argument to be made for for it's not always the story it is also sometimes the way it is for lack of a better word executed when you are doing something like this it's 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 the same way that it's not that you can't kill queer characters but if you're not aware of history and if you're not trying to be sensitive and make sure that you're not doing these things in a way that's gross i think that overall letty's death wasn't in a way that was gross, especially because I do agree that there is the potential that she could be out there. I think I think they've laid a lot of seeds already, whether they had planned it from this point or not. Mm. And I think that those are important factors. What are the seeds? What are the seeds that you see? Like the no body thing? Yeah, pretty much. And okay. do you think is that is that a factor of the Game of Thrones era that we live in, or is that something that you've seen? Are there earlier examples of that in a franchise? Because it feels like Game of Thrones specifically was like, "Hey, we never saw yeah. him get his head cut off. We don't know I mean, that he's Melrose place. Dead. Yeah, let's let's. <laughs> We're gonna go back. So George R. R. Martin has long stand the Uncanny X-Men by Chris Claremont. There are references to the X-Men in Martin's oh. work, and there's references to Martin's work in the X-Men as early as 1986. Uh, in fact, George R.R. R. Martin contributed two pages to an X-Men special in the 80s at the request of Chris Claremont. I had no idea. That's awesome. Okay. A lot of the things that are unique to Game of Thrones or maybe unique to Game of Thrones in as far as the execution within a genre and medium, there's not a lot of new ground in terms of a serial that plays against expectations. One of the reasons classic Dickens novels are so well-loved is because they were written to be published weekly in the paper, and he needed to keep making it so interesting that people had to come back, and we've just Uh. gone back, collected them, and cleaned it and streamlined it. For the most part, a lot of Dickens' work 
remains excellent because he was a terrific narrative storyteller at adjusting on the fly. It's led to some works being changed after the fact. Great Expectations has a different ending now than it originally did. The original ending was not satisfying, and instead they went back and they created an ending that reflected what people ultimately wanted. One of the things that Fast and Furious relies on as part of its narrative filmmaking is it relies on old serials. It really likes this idea of the car movie birthed of the 1950s cool guy kind of vibe. And it does kind of trace back to the comments I made about Rebel Without a Cause and Rush Rush. We're looking at an interpretation of an entire genre of cinema, cool guy in a car, where that's his superpower. His superpower is that he's as strong as his engine and his tailpipe's just as wicked. That's the idea behind this masculinity as car as power film franchise. I think what winds up happening with Fast and Furious is because it's relying on so many narrative tropes that can be recognized from other film genres and other media genres, it's hard not to see that they're going for every ridiculous thing. I believe we made that argument about how in the seventh season of Boy Meets World, we're surprised that it didn't turn out Topanga was a witch, right? If you told me that Letty can do voodoo, everybody knew Letty does voodoo, right? Everybody, she's Santorian. Like if that was the story, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. They want us to suspend some amount of disbelief for the sake of a ridiculous story allowance, and I'm in, because they don't take themselves that seriously. You're right. They give us a lot of outs, and you'll see that as we keep going, the suspension of disbelief, they like drag you along slowly to give you more and more suspension of belief to, to not question where they're going and like not question the chaos of it all. Like it starts in reality and it just built because like you know we started stealing DVD players like three movies ago, right? Like that's what we were doing. So it, it's just gonna. Oh keep my god, getting... those TVs! Exactly. <laughs> knowing where the franchise goes, knowing where Letty or Permishi's story goes, how Joe is saying like they they string along believability until all of a sudden we kind of lose believability at a certain point. It's hard to like respond because knowing where things go and knowing the things that you're saying that are either right or wrong but also each of these watching at a time in an installment and sort of trying to figure out where it goes from here i think that's why doing an entire lap of this podcast with people seeing it for the first time is so interesting at its, at its face i mean i think you know that like michelle rodriguez the actress is in some form reassociate with the franchise again you also as the viewer don't know how that happens and if you're taking this movie at its face value she's dead and to all the points you said that she maybe we don't see a body and whatever but it's a weird like I, I i think that's the most fascinating thing the most interesting thing to me about this podcast is being able to follow this journey especially with two guys like you who are so well versed in oh, just yeah. narrative storytelling that it it becomes a can you decode what we're actually seeing and you know talking about decoding and reinterpreting something you said you said this is taking it from a film franchise about cars to an action franchise i think that was no more made apparent like so the first couple of movies had mostly combat fighting other than roman and brian basically trying to blow each other you still felt like shit yeah (laughs) they were trying to felch each other it was bizarre this is the first movie where these guys are like okay first of all 
Vin Diesel's Dom is just such an incredibly dynamic character. I only wish that the sound engineer on this movie understood how to mic a deep-voiced person. This is it. This is when he becomes, like, Dom. Like, he is always Dom, but, like, in 4 is when he becomes, like, the Dom that you get. Yeah. The problem is just that, you know... He's amazing, but sometimes it's trying to simply say it because I don't know how to mic somebody. Oh my god! I just, I need the subtitles on! <laughs> so, with Dom's transformation and Brian's transformation from driver in a car movie franchise to action hero, we saw a couple of particularly aggressively violent moments. Number one, the hottest thing I have seen since Captain America tore a log apart Ooh. is Dom dropping an engine on somebody and grabbing the chain. <laughs> yeah, I know. That right? was erotic. <laughs> I thought the slam head into wall on Brian's part was pretty glorious. Oh, yeah. When that fed guy grabs him. That was awesome. yeah. Number three. I said it before and I'll say it again. Bring it up. That ankle grab though david Park? oh no this guy's yeah. gonna hit oh no 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 the ankle grab i mean at the end of the movie when brian grabs phoenix's ankle and oh. phoenix is like i'm gonna get away oh i don't oh. think i'm gonna get away. oh you just crushed me with a car i'm dead oh i know i thought you were talking about the, the hanging out the window dom ankle grab is what you were excited about that's just sort of action movie the impaling him with a vehicle is great though like yeah. Brian holding him and then jumping the car into this guy. The only thing that I need to comment on that I didn't like was the phallic ionic contrast of the situation. Number one, we can obviously say that these cars act in some regard as a phallic measure of these gentlemen. So the fact that he kills him with the car mm-hmm. and then says, pussy. Why did you remind me? I was going to forget. That's just not an attractive touch and... I understand the language of the culture we're talking about. And hey, you know what? If I'm going to shit on this, I'm going to shit on Iron Man again. This is between Iron Man 1 and 2. So, you know, Iron Man as a franchise to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a franchise still wasn't even at its barely passable with women yet. There is still enough misogyny and like the only things Jordana Brewster did for the first hour and 42 minutes of this movie (laughs) were ride Brian and have anachronistically long hair. And frown. Can I? I'm going to ask you a very important question related to this. What is Gal Gadot's character's name? Oh, wait. Um, Sylvia? Lady. Sylvia? No, hold on. No, because they say... Oh, Giselle. Giselle, yes! I knew it was something. I knew it was like... Because I was like, Sylvia, and then I was like, Giselle, and I was thinking, Pokemon. No, wait, I was but never how do you going to get there. Wh- how do you know who, her yeah, name says, Who says it's Giselle? Oh, Wikipedia. I only know because of Wikipedia. Oh, I knew because it was subtitled. She oh, said yeah. something... And brackets appeared around the <laughs> off-screen name and said, Giselle. What I caught this time for the first time is that like 20 minutes into the movie, Brian is in an FBI meeting and they're showing what they at, th- at that point think is compost. Uh, really, it's Braga. And they're showing his known associates or they're showing somebody's known associates. Maybe David, Pro- I don't yeah. remember. But they have on screen Giselle Yashar. So her name is in this movie on the they screen. They just don't say it. They never say it. Other than the subtitles, they never they never put it on. The, it's on screen for Yikes. like literally a third of a second, and she is in the movie for probably thirty five minutes. She's great. Like Giselle is a great character, but uh, what are you doing? It is specifically that she is credited as Giselle in the subtitles off screen when she's narrating to the guys in the cars doing the stunt driving that was clearly for an 
a video game simulator, the yep. captions there for like five solid minutes. So if you watch this with the captions on, you see her name a bunch. Okay. Because yeah, it is never but spoken. But then her once name still movie. isn't spoken, oh. which is bad. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not defending shit. I'm literally saying okay. the oh, no, only reason I know why. Like I figured Keva would know from just reading stuff behind the scenes, but like I kind of wanted like while we're yeah. talking about Jordana Brewster not having anything to do, like almost worse than that, or maybe worse than that, is just giving a major character kind of like the the lieutenant to the villain. Like we yeah. have Phoenix, and then there's pretty brunette lady. Oh, and I also know the woman who was working with Brian, Liza Lapira, I think her name is. She was on Dollhouse. She was in Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23, starring Kristen Ritter. She's very funny. I, I think they do say her name, ironically. She's a great character who's also given almost nothing to do. She just kind of like, like, she's not the secretary, but like they treat her like a secretary, I guess, because she's a woman. There's basically enough for one and a half women in this whole movie. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of things that I'm like confused... Where was the black best friend accessory? Not in this movie, a very, very white movie. Unless a person of color or a person who is a minority is being utilized as a trope figure in that role, they don't seem to appear much. And that's really disappointing. That's part of why I'm like washing away the first three movies. I haven't even seen Tokyo Drift yet, but I'm I'm giving it the wave. It's because I have hope for the future of the franchise. Well, what I will say is the first four movies, to a certain extent, are, to use the metaphor you've been using or you've been comparing this to, Iron Man, Thor, Incredible Hulk, Captain America. And then Fast Five is going to be the Avengers. And so I just want you to keep in mind what they're doing, whether or not they know that yet, whether or not they're building toward a thing like that yet. Fast Five is the Avengers. In you know, just you're making a lot way. of promises, right? Yeah, he can stand by those. I back him up. I back him up. And also, just keep in mind that when I ranked my movies, when you guys did your MCU ranked, and I still don't understand why Infinity War is the best. I have the Avengers. Like I think the first Avengers is the best MCU movie. I still think that, uh, and I still stand by this comparison. Just so you know. So I don't want to overhype it, oversell it. But Fast Five is the Avengers in almost every way. Okay, 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 okay. What did you guys, I want to know, what did you guys feel about the Compost is Braga, Braga is Compost? Were you surprised by that reveal? Twist. Twist. No, in fact, so here's what happened. Because they didn't say her name on screen for so long, I kept saying to Kevo, I think Gal Gadot is going to be Braga. I said it like six times, and then it was the dopey guy that looked like he would have been playing the hapless best friend in a 90s romantic comedy, and I just didn't get it. He seemed to me like he should have been the best friend on a sitcom. I don't know if you know a ton about her, but what do you think of the Giselle character so far? Oh, wait, she's in more? Maybe. I I nothing her? Because here's the problem. For me, just that she's kind of like, I am going to do sex at you. And, (laughs) you know, Dom is just kind of like, nope. And she's like... I'm going to do sex at you with some accent. And he's like, maybe, but nope. (laughs) And she's like, I didn't want to have to be like this. And he's like, are you getting more progressively over the top as this film goes on? 
part of my problem with Giselle is that she exacerbates the fridging. Yeah, she exacerbates the Letty problem because not only is it bad enough that they kill Letty like a third of the way into the movie, but now Dom is flirting with another woman while he is on his revenge well, rampage uh, so yeah, to well, get yes. revenge for Letty. We've talked about that before. We've talked about how they're replacing her with another brunette, but at the same time, you know, he's describing his dream woman and she says that doesn't sound anything like me he just says it ain't like he's describing letty like letty he maybe is being flirty but i mean you know he's just a friendly guy but i i do think consciously he's not like if he wanted to you know he saves her life like she's throwing herself at him the entire movie he is for whatever reason whether it's because he's still not over letty or he's on the vengeance kick or whatever he is keeping giselle at an arm's distance and i have to say something about los bandoleros did seem to suggest to me that perhaps dom and letty have an open relationship thank you thank you she doesn't seem at all annoyed that he was making out with someone else yeah joe has said that a lot like he's just said that a lot he says that letty is just disappointed in his taste in other women yeah she doesn't seem mad because she says it explicitly in los bandoleros she's like she's like i don't want to taste them but she doesn't seem like mad that it's happening she's just like okay i'm when i'm here and when i'm here this is me but like whatever you do on your own time is you and that's fine i want to dial into something for a second now i'm i'm gonna pivot from giselle to mia we started talking about Mia and then really quickly moved on to talk about other women. And I can't help but think that that okay. is an incredible metaphor for Mia. Mia behind the wheel looking like a motherfucking bamf at the end of this movie was the highlight of the film for me. Driving Dom's car. So fucking hot. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's that scene where Brian and Mia are having a high school fight. I don't want to go to prom! Right, they're having like okay. such a childish argument. Which one is this in leaving... the diner? Or is this a different scene? Whichever time he said leaving you was the hardest thing I ever had to do, and I said to myself, "You know what? I wonder whatever happened to Daisy Fuentes or Maria Menounos oh. because for all that he even brings her up, she could have been any tan actress that we were meant <laughs> to forget." From the second fucking movie. What a disrespect to that character. What if Too Fast, Too Furious doesn't exist? What if it's Brian Cocaine? What if it's Brian's <laughs> Cocaine Dream? Yes. They went to like a like a boys weekend and Dom is like, nah, man, that was that's not Roman. That's me. Why did you keep calling me Roman all weekend? No, Roman could have been there. He like oh. went and he oh, hooked up real. with okay. Roman and they went on the well, because Roman's gonna come back. You know oh. that. We will go into this in more detail because we're still we're still playing through the game, but the Fast and Furious Crossroads game weirdly makes Too Fast like super relevant. Like of super all the movies, important. they reference Too Fast more than any other movie, and we're like Wait, what? It's a very strange, like, it's it's welcome and appreciated, but Joe and I, like, every time they reference, like, a specific thing from Too Fast, it's like, okay, so, like, maybe Too Fast is just a cocaine-fueled dream by Brian, but, like, it has become wider canon thanks to this new video game. It's weird, but a welcome, but weird. What if, like, the turbocharged prelude ends and Brian's in Miami and he just goes on a bender? And, like, that's what the movie was, and then he, like, wakes yeah, up exactly. and he's like, oh, shit, now I'm in the FBI. I, really, I'm in four. <laughs> And like, if the movie had gone on five more minutes, he would have wrestled a mermaid. <laughs> we talked a lot about fridging. I think we need a phrase for what happens to Mia, because like she's not she's not killed. Maybe it still is fridging. She's not killed to advance the 
Don story like Letty is, but she is there to just basically be like, hey, Brian, maybe you're not a good guy. Maybe you're a bad guy. Like, what is the equivalent of fridging for, like, ethically or morally, like, changing someone or making them realize, hey, I'm kind of in a, kind of a crazy. Yeah, no, there's a term for it. Sexy lamb post with a post-it. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. If a okay. woman's entire role can be played by a sexy lamppost with a post-it on it oh, that God, conveys everything she needs to convey in the entire scene. Although I do feel like in this case, like, he just needs a mirror. I don't even think he needs a sexy lamppost. It's just like, a, he just needs to look at himself and be like, oh, I, I am the bad guy. Like, it's basically that one shot that from That meme of from the Turbo guy Charge. looking at himself in the mirror. Yeah. Ugh. I don't want to spoil anything. Mia's character, like, I love Mia's character, and I think because I identify as Mia, because I am kind of the den mother, but, like, the Mia character arc is not a good one. Like, there's, like, we're... I'm so happy to be your dom. I can't even tease things of being, like, it's gonna get better, because, like, for Mia, it doesn't really get better. Never. Yeah. Even But she has a car now. Well, she had a car in the first movie. She drove (laughs) once in the first movie. No, but she didn't drive in the first movie she drove in the first movie here she drove and i know like she didn't but she's part of a prison escape and yo he looks so hot when he's like oh yeah this is my stop i gotta keep mumbling like (laughs) that is just he's so hot he's stupid hot and like i really would appreciate it if he could just keep an extra 10 pounds a little bit all over just like, He'll get like, bigger. So He'll like, get bigger. But I want like, like cocoa butter, just like a few extra fat pounds here and there, okay. right? Because like when I heard that The Rock was cast in this film, I just assumed he was playing Optimus Prime. I don't need Vin Diesel to have the shred. I've got The Rock for the shred. They shred off for a little bit. But I need Vin Diesel to have a little bit of chub. He looks so good with a little bit of chub. He looks great shred, but like just that little bit of like, oh, oh yeah. You look so good. You, you deserve that beer, buddy. You deserve that cookie. We said for Too Fast that when people rank the movies, Too Fast is toward the bottom. This is another one that's you almost always in somebody's bottom three. So it's not like there's not things to talk about, but like in the grand scheme of things, this is one that people like less. So I don't want to... I know you guys are like really invested, but I also don't want to scare you off by being like, hey, these first four movies, you love them all, right? Because like weirdly, maybe not weirdly, they rock it to like yeah. superstardom in a hurry. But this is one where it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy about this. So uh, just keep that in mind that like, if you don't wholeheartedly love these movies yet, you're not wrong. Well, and I think what I like about these movies is what I like about the Conjuring universe. I like the potentiality of a universe willing to poke fun at itself a little bit. You need to be willing to laugh at how dumb you are if you're a car racing movie a little bit. Like, you can't actually expect me to believe that Brian would be able to get Dom off. Well, I expect that Brian (laughs) knows several ways to get Dom off. Pistons firing, lube injection. So, let's be clear about that. Brian, like, literally says, all right, it's my family or it's my life. Life of crime it is. Because mm-hmm. he can't come back from this. If he comes back from this, I'm done. In a good way. I'm, But, like, not in a good way. Like, I'm not quite Shirley Manson shit in her boyfriend's cornflakes. But I'm like, I'd piss in your gas tank. Wait, is that from a garbage song? What's that, what song is that from? Or is that a real thing that it's happened? It's from life? when her boyfriend said to her, I'm breaking up with you because your band is never going to go anywhere. So she shit in his cornflakes and left. Well, she was right twice. That's a good move. Yeah. Yeah, like directly in the box and left it on the table. Love it. 
Love her, yeah. love the band, love that story. I do think that version 2.0 is the perfect record, and it is important to note that on the tour that she did in support of version 2.0, and on the accompanying Lilith Fair winter dates, which also featured Missy Elliott, if you can imagine that, Bill, Garbage and Missy Elliott, Whoa. Garbage would have her come out and do You Look So Fine, and she would play it solo acoustic on this sparkling purple guitar that caught the night sky perfectly. Love that. Love that. Based on what they were just saying, do you think that these movies get more serious or less serious from here on out? Oh, less serious, by far. You think they get less serious? This is, well, so... That's, I'm, I'm trying to debate it in my head, and that's I why I'm the, asking you. I think the stakes rise, but they also okay. poke fun at themselves, because there is nothing more... Okay. And we've, we've had past guests, like, there's no movie more dour in this franchise than this one. And there's no movie that takes itself more seriously in this franchise, I don't think, than the first one. I think that these first and four one and four are the ones that are just like we know that we're kind of doing like a weird kind of dumb heist movie sort of but like the stakes matter bringing in roman i think having roman be this kind of goofy character doing all the things that it does that i don't want to specifically talk about i think that they get more serious in that the stakes rise and like what they're doing matters more but i think that they're also more willing to poke fun at themselves i think like nico or kevo said before taking itself a little bit less seriously and kind of leaning into like the stunts that you know are coming those don't happen in these movies like in a serious movie like you don't do what we're what we know is going to okay. come I like, that, I like that point that the stakes get higher but the seriousness kind of drops off so as the movie like gravity wise gets gets more serious yeah they also make, poke more fun at themselves yeah that's fair yeah i, I mean but that's that's symptomatic of the genre. Iron Man number one has these incredibly serious tones of sexism and this idea of white man empire and legacy and these nodes of I'm literally torturing you in your own home in a very personal, private way with your own technology. Fast forward a couple of years and it's I'm a big purple man and I wear a big glove and I'm going <laughs> to snap my fingers and your family are gone. So it's like... The stakes do rise, but inherently it depersonalizes while creating more of an emotional connection. I just imagine Thanos doing that song number, and it was incredible. Look up in 1987 or 1988, they were trying to make a Captain America musical, and there was an advertisement, because it's a bird. The Superman musical had just happened, so okay. and or is it, is it it's a bird or is it up up and away? It's hey Superman, turn off the dark. It's ha- yeah, you're you're amazing. But if you look up the comic book advertisement for Captain America is looking for a young girl to join him on stage in a tap dancing musical review oh of Cap's God. life, oh that God. advertisement just put Thanos in that. <laughs> oh God, yeah, like the Spider Man Broadway show that never happened because everybody kept oh, getting hurt. Oh no. Oh no! It happened. It, it just, did? you know, killed some people. Yeah, no, it was bad. No, they like they did a bunch of uh, previews and like yeah, yeah, yeah no, but like preview means like they they do the whole show. It's just not really open, it, open. But like yeah, but things, it did run four hundred something performances. It actually run it ran four hundred something performances. Fuck! I'm sad I missed that. Yeah, things broke bad in a hurry for that one. So yeah, for years it was like in literally broke for people. Years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have any other thoughts about either Los Bondoleros or Fast and Furious 4? Are you ready to play some games? Oh, I'm ready to play some games. Roll me them dice. Go for it. 21-sided die, 20-sided die. Well, now I'm hearing Roll the Dice from Super Pinky Mandy by Beth Orton, because that was my driving album. 
So yeah, Beth Orton and William Orbit basically invented trip hop, like Euro trip hop as a genre. And then William Orbit brought it over to America and Madonna ran with it. And that's how you got Ray of Light and Frozen, Power of Goodbye. That whole sound is William Orbit. Her initial album with William Orbit was an album called Super Pinky Mandy, which is to this day one of the most well-respected, oh my God, what the fuck is this sort of groundbreaking sonic debuts. She's had a really eclectic European career. She was John Cusack's first choice for the Catherine Zeta-Jones role in High Fidelity, but she turned the role down. She was the woman that Ryan Adams left to be with Mandy Moore. Her album Daybreaker has a song written by Ryan Adams featuring vocals by Emmylou Harris. So she's like a really significant artist in terms of what she represents and kind of her cross-section of media and celebrity. I will say, and I will plug here, the only way that I know Beth Orton, I knew nothing about what you just said. I appreciate all of the, of course, the Nicopedia history, music history there. My friend Bob, who I've mentioned on this podcast before, Actually, let me take a step back. So there's a serious XM channel called Top 1000 Countdown. They're counting down, they picked a genre, and they counted down like the top 1000 songs. So it kicked off with alt-rock, and they just did 1000 songs. It took like a week to play. And by the end, it was just like, oh, all these songs, like Smells Like Tearing Spirit is number one. It's like, yeah, like yeah. it's boring. Like we know, it's fine, whatever. So my friend Bob, who's on Tub Talk, who I've talked about here, he's the one who got me back into reading, read it, and kind yep. with him, whatever. He's like, I can do this better. So for the last, ooh, 55 days, uh, I've been asking him for 10 songs a day, and I've been making a Spotify playlist of Bob's Top 1000 alt-rock songs. Uh, Can I guess the Beth Orton song? Yes. Is it She Cries Your Name? It's not. (gasps) Oh my god, then this person is on, like, this person is, like, my hero. Oh my god, what song is it? It is Sweetest Decline. Oh, that's a great song! It's not even the best song on that record for me, but I recognize how Sweetest Decline is a song people really love. I recommend checking out the super deluxe edition of Super Pinky Mandy. It's two discs and it involves every recording. Daybreaker is actually one of my top five records of all time. It is literally like up there with Tori Amos on like my most favorite records in history. Wow. Daybreaker is... And then there's a companion album to it, The Other Side of Daybreak. She had been told that Daybreaker, being about this huge breakup, was so gut-wrenching people couldn't listen to it. She made a happier version of the album and called it The Other Side of Daybreak, and it kicks off with her brilliant acoustic cover of Ooh Child. And from there, she kind of left behind trip-hop and went to a very acoustic sound for a number of years. But her most recent record was a huge return to form, was my favorite record of the year it was released in. I just can't recommend Beth Orton enough. She really is spectacular. I really, not to have gone on such a weird tangent about an artist, but there isn't a bad Beth Orton record. So it was his number 861 song, so I apologize if that's too low. I don't know if there's more Beth Orton to come, I don't know, but if you want to follow the playlist, I will plug it here. Bob's Top 1000 Alternative, parentheses, with way more Fugazi than Sirius XM. It's on Spotify... <laughs> Because uh, we were upset that there was no Fugazi on a Sirius XM's Top 1000. So we're doing, there's at least one Fugazi song so far. So cool. we're in the middle 400s right now. So by the middle of September, I think, we will be completed with the playlist. But uh, basically the Top 100 is going to be, or Top 200 maybe, is mostly going to be Radiohead and Blur and Oasis and a couple other bands that he loves. But anyway. There's a Beth Orton song that we can relate back to this. Mm-hmm. It's called Stolen Car. The lyrics are, one drink too many and a joke gone too far. I see your face drive like a stolen car it's a pretty bitchin song that you know you could just kind of make a fan video of brian and dom lovingly looking at each other from across rooms (laughs) 
Well, there's no better way to transition into this ain't no 10 second race, a.k.a. boy, do we have a podcast for you than by talking about Beth Orton for 10 minutes. But here we are. So now if you'll remember, Nico and Kevo, this is the game where Nico does Kevo's homework and goes on Twitter.com, a.k.a. the bird app and finds any tweet that he thinks we could retweet and reply to and say, boy, do we have a podcast for you. And that person might, in theory, be interested in listening to the podcast. Joe, I feel like we had... We've not talked about this on air. We had right. someone we don't know, I think, play this game, but as a person we don't know who has like a private Twitter account. So they recommended our podcast to someone. Yeah. That person that so responded strange. and said, that sounds great. But like, I don't know what the uh, what the original message was. So I think somebody played this game without us For knowing. us. Yeah. So we have a fan out there that like played it. If, if you are that fan that recommended our podcast that we don't know who you are because you don't write in, please write in and just say hi. Let us follow you at least so I can see what's going on because I am uh, I'm very yeah. curious. Let me review our tweets from last time. So first up, I found younger Asian kid at Choco Days. Feel like pure shit. Just want Suki back in the Fast and Furious franchise. Boy, do we, we have, have a podcast, podcast for you. For you. Of course not. Joe, you found Jillian Lightningbolt, LGBTQ S&M, at Emo Canadian, responding to Kyle O, and she says, Have you seen Too Fast, Too Furious? It's already been proven. Brian and Roman are disgraced old gay lovers. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Then, Nico found Paul at Cole Tucker 4202. And then it was a quote tweet, and I think the tweet got deleted, but it was basically something like normalized sex toys or something. And he said, rolling your hot wheels across her titties. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. And then, can we go one for four? We're going to go 0 for four. Kevo via Nico found gender hack at gender hacker. Begin transmission. Tell 45P3CT to put up the flyers. End transmission. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Wildly, wildly over four. But I found one already. But Nico, you sent three tweets, I think? When Kevin and I first got together, I used to do, like, especially if it was a class where you could do any number of stuff. Here's seven essay questions, do three. I just would do all seven, and I would pick the three best for myself, give Kevo the next three, and then just throw the last one away, because that's just like kind of how I am. I just sent you three. Please give me whichever one gets the best response and the most points. Please <laughs> give Kevo the second best, and if anybody else doesn't get points this week, please give them my third one. Okay. We are going to do, I think... So there's one that's from a uh, tweet thread from Kale Smith at Movie Kale. And it's a quote tweet about Hobbs and Shaw and Vanessa Kirby. It's about a Shane Black spy movie and Leech with his two writers are not at that level. It says justice for Mia, justice for Letty. Okay, yes. As a side note, they stayed away from the Owen Shaw character and barely anything that transpired in the last three movies. And that may be for the better given that fate should have really spawned hashtag justice for Giselle, hashtag justice for Letty. Hashtag justice for Mia on top of hashtag justice for Han. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. I like that this is like both weirdly specific and also knowing what happens to these characters also weirdly vague. Yeah, I figured all four of them couldn't die in one movie. 
but it's not even it's it's weird like it's not like i don't it's it's a weird use of the hashtag i mean i i agree with all the sentiment but it's a weird use of the hashtag so then i found somebody basically just screaming about the fridging Yes. And I sent you guys that too. Then you found Molly Kenny at Molly underscore cools. Letty gets an off-screen death in Fast and Furious 4. She deserves better. Hashtag justice for Letty from February 2018. Boy, do we, we have a have podcast, a podcast for, for you. So then I found the most <laughs> accurate tweet of all motherfucking time. You found Dana at mm, Undana. I don't know. I probably <laughs> said that wrong. There needs to be a at Emrod official Fast and Furious solo spinoff soon. Hashtag justice for Letty. Boy, do, like, we, do we have a have podcast, podcast for, for you. you. And Nika, what I will tell you, it is not really, there's no details known yet, but there is been, there's been confirmed an all female spinoff of the Fast and Furious, ostensibly yes. led by Letty, but I don't, we don't know. What I would actually like is I would like a really in-depth look at Letty as a person from three vantage points of her life as a woman. I would like to focus on when she was a teenager and had to have some sort of job. Maybe she worked at a garage when she was young and we see a younger actress player. Then we get Michelle Rodriguez playing her in the present. And then I want like an older her played by some, you know, awesome older Latina actress. And I want her to be a hit woman. I think that's how we include J-Lo, right? I thought the role was going to go to Scarlett Johansson when I suggested it was oh, going to go God. to an older Latina. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's got very diverse skills. She, yeah, she has lots of she range. She can play anybody. Joe, you found someone, please. What I, what I like about your tweets, other than, A, they still make no sense, and I, I still like don't know how you're beating me in the game because it feels like you intentionally... What? Go out of your way to find people that, like, should never respond. But what I like is, like, thinking about someone who listens to the podcast, following our Twitter feed, and being like, what the fuck? Like, what? This has nothing to do with anything. And, yes. the, like, it's it's weirdly kind of a spoiler, but also, like, you would never know how to get to the point. Exactly. So I found Ashley Lynch says Black Lives Matter at Ashley Lynch, who she's apparently she's an award winning editor and screenwriter, too, by the way. Okay. She's saying, I'm not saying Endgame should have a Thanos musical number, but come on. And then has a gif of them. Like, she heard me. I know. I had to imagine that thought was out there somewhere else, and it was. So, Ashley Lynch... You turn me on more and more every episode. I'm becoming a (laughs) Jomosexual. This is amazing. I don't think... I'm not going to uh, impress Nico with this one, but I am going for one that might actually garner a response. I found Grant Parker at Grant P. Design, because I do think this guy would actually listen to the podcast, which is the point of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Ostensibly. Ostensibly the point of the game. I'm just finding great tweets. That's it. He says, I have officially seen every bit of canonical Fast and Furious content. The upcoming F9 movie next year is all that eludes me. Here it all is in chronological order. Then he lists over a span of three tweets, all the things in order. He says, I don't have friends. I got family. Boy, do we we have have a a podcast podcast for you. you." He's a game designer at Insomniac Games. He has got a Captain America shirt on in his his profile picture. You're right. He's... He's right for it. That's true. Insomniac Games made the Spider-Man game. Like, it's it's a great place to be. So there's no wrong choices there. Please, Grant, listen to the podcast. I just realized that anybody who now goes back and starts listening to the podcast oh, yeah. because you guys played this game now has to listen to you guys, like, talk about them and be like, he's perfect for the show. We've never yeah. had that happen, I don't think, number one. But number two... We also play a letterboxed game where, like, in the off weeks when we do another movie that's not Fast and Furious, 
we play different games and use somebody's letterbox profile to design games around. And so we talk about their movie tastes for like kind of at length in every episode. So like, it's like, oh, of course you like that movie too. Don't run from the guy. It's not a knife. It's just a mop. <laughs> the last game is called Dude, What's My Car? Dude, what's my car? What? Your car, dude. Do you two, I think you've been guessing every time. Nico, you Kobe'd it last time. First guess he out did. of the gate. You got it right. Did. Do you want to guess or do you want to give clues? Oh, I want to guess, baby. Okay. Okay. So this is from Hector. We talked recently, Joe, about like, are we alternating Hector and not Hector? That's what what I did. Yeah. What I did is I just gave Nico a choice between one and thirteen. He picked a number, and I went and oh. I picked that one. So okay. we're just, we're just cool. a random choice. So this, uh, he says, a fast battery car pick is the subject line. Okay. Fast battery car pick. He says, Hey, Joey. So I'll also head in here, Nico and Kevo. I got another car pick for y'all, and it's a doozy. This might give it away. The car is the fastest all-electric car that actually exists. Do you know what this car is? Is it the Croatian one? Is it from Croatia? No. Um, then no. Go ahead okay. and continue. It says, I don't normally like electric cars because of the stigma of the mm. future of electric cars, replacing cars using gasoline or petrol. This, yeah. however, will show that electric cars could be fun as any other gasoline car. Here it is. Hopefully y'all like it. Stay fast. Stay furious. Is it the car from the Fast and Furious game that we were just playing? No. The Katana? The katana? No. Does it have a name that is also another functional type of noun? It's got the make... I don't know what this... Hold on. I gotta see what this is. There's a word in here that I've never... Mm-mm. No. That's no. a good sign. No. So the model is a car... Okay. So it's year, make, model, and then modifier. And the modifier is... And then a, and then a modifier to the modifier, maybe? <laughs> okay. I don't say it's a common car. But like none of this is like weird. Like I'm making it sound Englishy, more Englishy than it is. The model I've never heard of. I think it's probably a made-up word for this car. The modifiers are normal things. Is it a car company that we would know? Yes, absolutely. Okay. It's a 2020 model. Uh, it okay. is a German manufacturer. Is it Audi? No. Is it BMW? No. Uh, this is a very sleek and aerodynamic car. I think this will give away the Jaguar? Make. No. The make the the rear brake lights go, it's a thin strip that goes all the way across the back, which I think is emblematic of a lot of this manufacturer's cars. Of a German car? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I'm almost positive. I think I just Googled that. Volkswagen? Is it a Mercedes? Mercedes? No. Hold on. Let me make sure that I... Uh... Oh, is Porsche? Is Porsche? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ooh, uh-huh. there you go. Okay. Okay. Is Porsche... Fire? Is fire in it? Uh, fire is not in it. There is Remember, there's okay. a word that I've never heard of before, so I don't know if you're going to be able to guess this. Um, but is Hot Topsy? Nope. Uh, it, okay. is, isn't it emblematic? Isn't it like a common trait on the Porsche to have like that thin brake light that goes... That's how forward? I got there, but I thought Porsches were Italian. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If I if I had to guess, I probably would have said Italian too, so I don't think you're On wrong. the supercars, on, this, like, on like, the, mm-hmm. like the Carrera GT and stuff, they have that brake light that goes all the way across. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. So the car itself is... It's it's a it's a evening. It's kind of a dusk shot. So I don't know if it's white or silver or gray. It's something in there. Maybe Damn. we'll call it ice. Uh, How it's are we in front of get mountains. Us in, then? It's in front of mountains. Okay. Something is it is it element related? Again, the word is not a real word. Can you get me near it then? Because how the fuck is am it I gonna guess is it a, a made up a word? No, because I would have gone Tia Carrera. That's kind of like I've come up with my own number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Only parameters. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. Like, so. It's between four, 562 and 750 horsepower, between 192 and 201 miles battery only. <laughs> the model sounds like a bird. 
Sounds like a bird. It sounds like a tropical bird. Something like a toucan. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Toucan. Like it? Is it a toucan or is it sound? No, like but a it's it's very close to toucan. Tucson. A Tucson. A no, Tucson. You're, ch- you're changing the wrong part of it. That's a word. Tucson's a, a word. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's also, toucan. Thank you, Kevo, for grounding them. A toucan. A toucan. That's a good one. Yeah. A toucan. No, you're changing tu- the wrong part of the word. Oh, change the two. Yeah. Ucan, the boucan, the shoe can. A no, here, okay, can. so here, here, here I'm going to get you there in one hint. What? Chocolate Rain. The poop can? No, other. The like, the other no, the song Chocolate Rain. Chocolate Rain? No, wait, that's Purple Rain. Rain can. Chew Oil can, can what? <laughs> Guys, this is a slam dunk clue. <laughs> I don't know. We're not getting it, so it's not a slam dunk clue. not to, this song. Try not to pull your shoulder, patting yourself on the back for that clue, Joey. No, okay. So uh, let's 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 take it. Let's dial it back a second because me describing yeah. the car is not going to help. So you have the word toucan. You know that the word the part of the word can is right, right? So yeah. you take the two and you think of the song Chocolate Rain. Who sang Chocolate Rain? I don't, I don't know. fucking know. Really? <laughs> yeah, yes. I don't either. It was like the biggest thing on the internet for like a year. I'm to gonna fucking people? wail on you, Joey. <laughs> Okay, let me think another way. God, this is such a slam dunk. Like, his first name is the first half of this car. <laughs> Steve Can? No, it's not a... It's not a... It's not a oh, boy. It's so close to Toucan. Steve Can is not it. Tucson is not it. <laughs> Rebecca Black Can. <laughs> I will also give another, a more modern musical reference. Oh, thank God. Folklore. Oh, Taylor Swift. Fo-can? Tay-can? Swift-can. The Tay-can. Tay-can? Day. Do you remember Tay-zon Day? No. no. Chocolate rain. Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. A baby How do none of you know Tay-zon Day? Tay-zon Day. You were on She's the internet on in 2005. He's on third. 2020 Porsche Taycan Turbo S. I bet the Taycan's a real thing because, like, they've been using, like, animal names, like the Cayman and stuff like that. So, like, I bet the Taycan is, like, a real no, animal. If you, go- if you Google Taycan, it's just all Porsche. I think it's a word uh, they made up. That's weird. Okay, maybe it is. Porsche, Porsche, hurry, hurry, Taycan, come to me. God. Porsche, how do you have a Turbo Porsche. S in, a, in an electric car? Well, you asked the other day, like, how do you Nas in an electric car? It just. I'm same glad thing, you like... finally went with an electronic uh, uh, injector. Looks good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. if we go back and we touch on the thing that the car is a penis, if he looks in some, under somebody else's hood, uh, did he roll a dude's foreskin back? Only foreskins run nitro meth. <laughs> If you're doing meth through your foreskin, you're going to lose your dick. Probably. I do want to say, I don't think I said this before, but Joe, remember we were, in, in the beginning, this is a, this is a, an, an irrelevant spoiler, but Fast Furious what? 6 begins with a very, very cool montage. The opening credits are a montage. And there's one shot of Dom in there in front of oil derricks. And I'm like, where the fuck is that from? It's from this movie. When he's overlooking the funeral behind him, wherever they are, California, I guess, there are like yeah. the oil derricks going in the background. Mm. So that's Oil derricks. Movie. He's knew, good friends with before. Steve Can. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, all of you. I'm so glad we're at the end here. Boy, I can't believe none of you know. Please, out there, family at Cage Club, I mean, I can't be the only person on the internet who knew Tay Day. I know who he is, but I didn't know his name. 
Come on, man. You who still spends time on 4chan doesn't know the internet. Nope. No, I mean, like, I just don't, like, you just remember the important parts. Like, you remember Chocolate He hasn't Rain. dropped any singles lately. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm no, saying. No, but I think he's doing something else. Being famous for What's making he up to Chocolate now? Rain. He wrote, he has an album, Chocolate Rain 2.0. Anyway, Nico Kevo, thank you so much for joining us. Please thank talk about any projects you have going on currently that you would like our listeners to listen to. We are having a great time over on This Is X, which is our nonstop coverage of everything going on in the X books. We have some cool things coming up down the pipeline, perhaps to be announced pretty soon. Keep an mm. eye out on this space in October. We're just kicking ass over Give us a HTML. hint. Give us a shitty hint. Give us a shitty Joey hint that's a slam dunk that we can learn about. Do you have one? Like My clues are shitty one? by choice. Do you, you realize that? I'm just, hey, man, nobody got it. Alphabet. Okay, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I tell Joey, like, most things in my life. Like, I just kind of run to Joey, and I'm like, hey, a thing happened. Uh, Joey already knows. <laughs> yeah, fair. I like having the power. All right, but thank you. So, X is for podcast. This is X. Anything else going on in the middle of... HTML. Yes. We're killing stuff over on the Fantastic Four. We have an amazing game Ooh. show up right now. It's a lot of fun. Kind of horrifying, but did somebody a lot of win fun. The, did somebody win the, the prize yet? Somebody did win the prize. And okay. so, that's exciting. And then we have two more winners we're announcing for our t-shirt giveaway on Sunday. Ooh. And then, after that, we have one more giveaway... I'm going to let the guest who picked the giveaway let us know what it is. But uh, This Is X is doing X-Men prize giveaways all summer long. We have guests coming out to celebrate the fact that the X-Men has never been like more successful than really it is right now. As we call it affectionately, Hox Pox Doc Zoss of it all has been very successful and there's a pretty big crossover coming up and X Twitter is all a buzz. One of the reasons that's pretty important is because everybody currently writing in the X-Men are somebody with a huge Twitter presence and like I'm not saying a huge Twitter following. I mean a huge Twitter presence. There's somebody who's out there and they're contributing to the conversation every day. This is the first time that like the X offices are nearly exclusively populated with men, women and gender non-binary writers who have worked their way up in front of the fandom. I just thought it'd be a better idea to kind of honor fandom the same way. So we have guests uh, you've seen posting all over X Twitter for the last few years coming on throughout X of Swords going into December. Very, very, very cool. Awesome, yeah. But thank you both for joining us. I hope you are going to enjoy greatly... Always a pleasure. ...the Avengers version of Fast Five. So please know that I'm not overhyping it, but Fast Five... No no complicated homework next time. No short film to watch. Just Fast Five. Yay. Just a four-hour movie. It's two hours and ten minutes. There is a yeah, director's no, these cut that I think movies, has like an extra yeah, minute. Yeah, these movies but get like, long. Yeah, they do get long. Well, Joe, on Friday, we've got uh, Strange Days. So check that out. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. I can't be the only person out there who knew Tazon Day's name. Please let me no. know, family at cageclub.me. <laughs> check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. And come back on Friday for Strange Days by Catherine Bigelow. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Joe, too. And that was Kevo Reese and Nico Vasillo of Husbands Talking More or Less and Extra Podcast. We'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out. Peace out. You anus. Peace out.